live show alert. That's right. It's November 1st. Hope you had a great Halloween and you have all your fingers intact and your house isn't covered in eggs and toilet paper or whatever the kids are throwing around these days. Molly or something like that. I don't know. It's November. Two live shows for me in real life where you can come and see me talk. Have the crack. First is in the Open Minds Conference in Dooley's Hotel in Waterford, 8th, 9th and 10th of November. You can get the tickets below. I'm in the morning on the Sunday on the 10th. If you want to get a ticket for just my show, you can, or you can get a ticket for the whole day, or you can get a ticket for the whole weekend. Tickets and the description and all the speakers are in the description below. There's loads of great people coming to talk. Uh, you know, people talk about esotericism, religion, uh, medicine, uh, holistic healing, politics, social commentary, all the stuff that those Conspiracy Guys fans, or indeed conspiracy fans in general, love. So if you want to come and have a look, that's Dooley's Hotel in Waterford, 8th, 9th and 10th of November. And then on the 13th of November, the big final year show, uh, the Dublin Podcast Festival is hosted me in the Sugar Club again, for those who have been. The Sugar Club, 13th of November, it's a Wednesday night. The tickets are in the description below. If you want to get the link, get in before they sell out. It's going to be great crack. And I'll be joined by the powerful John Connors, uh, filmmaker, director, political activist. Uh, and we'll be having a good old natter uh, in the first half. And then in the second half, I'll be coming out. We'll be having a chat with you, the audience, taking Q&As, talking about, you know, the world events. A uh, bit of banter, a bit of crack. And I really hope that you'll join me for my last show of the year. It's going to be on In The Sugar Club. On the 13th of November, it's a Wednesday night, it'll break up the week real nice. So if you want to jump into that, tickets are in the description below. Also for the Open Minds Conference, tickets in the description below. And uh, happy Halloween everybody, hope you enjoyed it. And uh, this is BTK with Gary Jones. So enjoy. Hello and welcome to another Those Conspiracy Guys. This time we're talking about uh, possibly one of the most mysterious, audacious and uh, braggadocious serial killers uh, of of all of America ever. This guy, Dennis Rader, uh, also known as the BTK Killer, did some murders in the 70s, fucked off for a while, got bored, came back in the 80s, did a few more, fucked off again, came back in the 90s, did a few more. Like, his murder career was very similar to the kind of album release schedule from, uh, say, Iggy Pop, something like that. Red Hot Chili Peppers. Very sporadic. You know, you get it when you get it. And uh, he eventually turned uh, turned around to the media and went, look at me, look at me, look at me, hey, hey, look at me. Sent him a few letters and uh, went, uh, uh, I want my kudos. He's going to be featured in the newest season of Mindhunter, uh, which is on Netflix now, if you want to go have a look. And uh, very, very strange case. And joining me to talk about it. You've heard him on the Columbine episode. You've heard him talking about Dickie Boat on uh, the Hollow Earth. And uh, I think you're also on Tupac and Biggie showing your street cred. Tupac and Biggie. Yeah, yeah. it's good times. Yeah. We have Gary Jones in the studio. Welcome, Gary. Thank you very much for having me, Gordon. It's great Thanks, to man. be here. It's As great always, to have you back. Yeah. Great to have you back. A serendipitous meet- meeting on the street. And uh, we're back again at the mic. Back at the mic. Yeah. Um, so, Gary, yeah. Uh, for for BTK, mm-hmm. this is a weird case. I landed in your lap a week ago. Like, what did you know about it before this <laughs> uh, deep dive shenanigans happened? Well, I'll tell you, I thought I knew 
I thought I knew what the uh, BTK killer was. Yeah, bacon, tomato, ketchup. I, yeah, and then I realized that it wasn't a limited edition spicy chicken sandwich. Yeah. Um, but I was sure that I'd had one at some point in the past. <laughs> so, no, I didn't know anything about this guy. But the moment I saw him, he reminded me of several people. I said, I said to you at one point, it was Salman Rushdie. Salman it's in the zeitgeist. You can see his face. Yeah. He has the whole uh, glasses. He mustache. has the whole thing. I have a list of people that Murder. he looks like. Can I read out my list Dude, of people yeah, that yeah, he looks absolutely. like? Is that okay? We have, we ha- I don't know if the, it counts as um, character assassination or defamation, but fuck them. No, uh, not at all. Um, it's uh, And some of them are actually really particular as well. Some oh. of them are, yeah, very particular. Um, I have here, uh, well, well, Trotsky, a little bit of Trotsky in yeah, some of your Leon. some of your your viewers your listeners might well, have to Google him to just because yeah. there's certain there's certain images of him where he has like a goatee and there's a there's actually an image side by side yeah yeah there's an image of him really young with no beard and he looks a bit like Glenn Campbell <laughs> and, he, and uh, ironically he murdered all these people in Wichita in Wichita he yeah. was yeah he was, was the Wichita lineman about the BTK killer who knows yeah I am the psycho of the county. <laughs> Um, uh, Frank Sabotka from The Wire season two. He was the main union guy oh, down yeah. on the docks. He played the bad guy in that movie um, with Nicholas Cage. Oh, nine, eight, millimeter. eight millimeter. Yeah, I almost yeah, said making a, a snuff movie. Yeah, yeah, he's Very, he's in there. He's he's got like heft on his face. He's got heft, but it's also it's about the eyebrows as yeah. well. It's about the squint in the eyes and the eyebrows. And he has the the, the kind of protruding. Forward, the kind yeah. of altar of a forehead. Yeah, yeah um, I have Jack Nicholson, but in The Departed, particularly just in The Departed, he looks yeah. like him in The with Departed. The little, with the little jimmy. Yeah, he's got, now I'm not just picking out people who have grey goatees now and saying they're the BT. Just, there's <laughs> yeah. a particular look. This is, like, this is like that face app, you know, you get, and you take a picture of your face, the Facebook yeah. tells you who you look like. I always used to get like Seth Rogen or some cunt with glasses and a beard. I get Bob Marley a lot. Um <laughs> Uh, I have a very particular one here for you. I only have one or two more of these to um, uh, Courtwood Smith. Oh, Red Foreman from that 70s show. Courtwood yeah. Smith. If you Google him, and, he, and with a goatee, if you see, which which quite often he has. And Clarence Bodecker from Robocop. Can well. you fly, Bobby? Yeah, him. <laughs> um, uh, George Costanza <laughs> as Colonel Sanders. Nice. Yeah, George Costanza. He did had, an ad, I think, I think for that. KFC. Oh. A little bit of you know conspiracy yeah. stuff going on there for Bacon, the other tomato, podcast ketchup, yeah. and uh, who else have I got here I've got Michael Ironside famous cult actor Michael Ironside is he the lad for, is he the lawyer in the wheelchair or he was in no 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 but actually funny oh, enough Michael Ironside was he the bad guy in Total Highlander, Recall Highlander 2 yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Highlander 2 Total Recall Michael Ironside uh, he was in yeah. V now actually since you mentioned since you mentioned Ironside do you mind if I just so, this is something that I noticed a couple of years ago about Michael Ironside okay uh, in about four different movies, he loses his arms. Okay, yes. he loses his arms. A total recall. Yeah, he gets pulled off in the elevator on the way up. Exactly. Uh, in the Machinist with Christian Bale, yeah. he has an arm ripped off. Uh, Starship Troopers arm, arm gone. And in a more kind of Highlander as well, gets his hands chopped off. Does he get his hands chopped off? Yeah. Okay, well then that's five. Yeah. There's another movie, very low key movie. It's a little bit kind of catch twenty two type movie with um your man from American Pie and the young lad. It's called Guy. Jason. It's called Guy X anyway. Oh, yeah. And Michael Arnside appears in it as like this veteran who's in a hospital at this outpost. I think they're in Alaska or something like that. And uh, no he's hands. he's missing his arms. And famous TV detective Arnside had no use of his legs. 
So between the two of them, isn't that just like I? I think there's something yeah, in there, like yeah, there's, there's something some, with the, the name Ironside, Ironside. And, and bodily li- and limbs. Like he's yeah, one of my favorite '80s slash '90s uh, bad guy actors. He's oh, he's one amazing. of the greatest character actors of all. I think. Oh yeah, he's the best. Uh, what do you think happened to Kurt Woodsmith? Where's he gone? Well, he's either dead or he's still working. He's still no, I know what I mean. Like he's not. He's not in. He hasn't got, the, I think, the kudos that he deserves. You know, he he needs more. Well, ma- maybe he's just gone off the radar for 10 yeah. years before he starts mailing the press and the cops again, taunting <laughs> them with his acting skills, saying, uh, you know, yeah. bring me back. Like, I, maybe. Want, I want to be exposed. We're talking about BTK. Dennis Rader is the man. Mm. He looks like Kurt Woodsmith. And he is nothing but trouble. Nothing but trouble. Uh, he was born in March 9th, 1945, to his mother and father, strangely enough, uh, William and Dorothy Rader in Pittsburgh, Kansas, and then moved uh, very quickly to Wichita, uh, where he spent his entire life, basically, until uh, about 2004. Uh, he's known as the BTK Killer, which is a self-appointed nickname from letters he sent to the media begging for attention. Uh, and the BTK means bind, torture and kill. Yeah, I, I, when, I when I found that bit out, that, mm. that wasn't the name that the, the media assigned to him. He yeah. messaged them going, uh, you know, if, uh, you know, if you did want to refer We've to me, maybe you could help me build my own legend. <laughs> I bind them, I torture them, I kill them. So how about he, BTK? He yeah. was looking at, he was looking at guys like Son of Sam in the late seventies, Ted Bundy. He's a wannabe. had already been yeah. around in the sixties. Like there was dudes who were already famous serial killers. And yeah. he was like, I want to be known in the annals of history. He was a fucking cover band. Yeah. Who was actually killing people. Yeah. It's very difficult now to get through his, his case. Cause I mean, he wiped out, I mean, his first um, victims was, uh, was the family and yeah. that like, and yeah. Really. And he, he, you know, he killed 10 people over so many years, Yeah, but like the fact that he was so, uh, I guess, on a debt at properly executing all of these things. He managed to kill a few people and, and managed not to get caught for a really long time. For a really long time. Like, I mean, even I, I won't say it now cause we're going to get to it, but mm. even his eventual, um, arrest wasn't really a victory for the cops not really it was not really to them. Like, yeah it, but yeah, that's the yeah. Thing. it's it's this guy knowing what we know he's given his own you know a uh, uh, nickname he has all this stuff behind him i mean you have to without supporting murder you have to kind of tip your hat to him he's a man creating his own social media world before social media yeah. existed a hype man yeah and you see that later with you when when he uh started up again with the uh sending the letters to yeah. the cops after being on hiatus that was someone who had no content to put out there but they <laughs> yeah. just i just gotta make my own content man. yeah they just started patreon yeah they were clickbaiting he was clickbaiting <laughs> the cops like in the press yeah, yeah. absolutely well he uh he he gave himself the nickname BTK in some of these letters and he's, he's from the reports. He had a load of journals. He did a lot of interviews. He's one of these guys that's like, I know exactly what I want to do and here is I'm going to do it. But as with all these guys at a very young age, you start to see these predilections and these, you know, premonitions of, I guess, shady adult behavior, sexual deviancy, uh, violence, and, you know, a bit of, a bit of raw dog and a bit of fucking, you know, burning, killing animals, hanging animals, mm. like f- molesting siblings. And from all the true crimes we've done over the last few weeks, which have been like three or four a week, and then all the ones we've done over the last maybe year and a half since we started doing specific true crime episodes, it's nearly always the mother. You nearly always see it in, in them as kids. And no one is really surprised when they show up with like double digits of a body count. Yeah. And this guy is no fucking different. He 
started killing little animals when he was a child. He used to steal knickers and then wear them himself. Um, and he'd steal them off the neighbor's washing lines and eventually started to steal the knickers of his victims and wear them when he was killing the next person or wear them around the house. Yeah. He was a cross-dresser, which was, I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. But then if you turn into a murderer, you're kind of, you're wrecking your own community there, buddy. Oh, yeah, he's giving cross-dressers a, yeah. a bad name. It's actually, is cross... Do, do people still say cross-dresser? Or well, is I that, is that right something? Now. Oh, I know, but is that... Hey, look, sure, you know, <laughs> sensitive times, it changes from day yeah, to day, but can you get in trouble for... Is cross-dressing acceptable now? Because I haven't heard it in so long. I haven't heard... Yeah, I, I think, like... Some people just like putting on women's clothes. I guess yeah. there's... The terminology is so... It changes every day, anyway. The yeah. of political correctness are forever in motion, you know? There's yeah. no way to fully know what to call it but this guy is like he didn't think he was a woman he just used to dress up sometimes so like drag mm. queen can you say drag queen is a thing yeah That's drag queen a is a show. thing yeah you can say that I don't know the fucking terms man I know it changes every day how do you know so like uh, he was a a boy scout as a very young uh, uh, child and you're not even yeah that's you're not even allowed to call it boy scouts anymore they changed that thing recently so you're, you have to call it the scouts because they're allowing girls in but I thought, I thought they already had the, the brownies, wasn't that? Yeah, the, there's like the guides or the brownies here in Ireland, but they have like brownies in America or they have uh, the Girl Scouts. Oh, they're welcome Girl to Scout, it. They're, they're, they're the cookie crowd. Oh, it's dreadful. I knew I was in the Scouts when I was a kid. So was I. Once my, once my folks bought the uniform, that was it. You had <laughs> you to had go. To, like, yeah, yeah. That had blue to go. shirt was made out of guilt. But like, the Boy Scouts, you can't even say Boy Scouts now. All right. You sound like two old lads. Like, yeah, my day, the Boy Scouts were boys. But like, <laughs> it's not allowed to be yeah. it's not allowed to be called so he was in the scouts uh, and he participated in church youth group activities but he didn't really excel at any of these activities and he was also very poor in school and we've seen this from a few different guys like the frustration right. builds and they're like I'm not good at the learning I can't do the reading or the writing and then he ends up like choking a squirrel to death and sticking his finger up its arse just to get rid of some of the tension yeah do you know trying to work it out with a pencil Mm. that's the way it goes he was withdrawn people say he was unremarkable as a kid I mean how how remarkable can a kid really be do you know unless you're like one of those uh, North Korean piano virtuosos you're like most kids are pretty unremarkable to people that are not their parents right yeah well unless it's one of these kids that you see on the internet who's like you know reciting the alphabet in many different languages yeah. while playing the piano like and you know the showboat kids like yeah, the kids yeah, like, yeah look at me mommy like uh, America's Got Talent shit, yeah like, like I'd give someone else's child credit and say yeah your child <laughs> yeah. is very obviously better than my child if it was so obvious like <laughs> yeah, that like, yeah yeah but yeah put the two of them in a pit and just be like right see who's remarkable yeah Let's I would go. cross the room to tell them say listen your child is so <laughs> remarkable look at my child over there your child is way better than and mine. again in the current climate you can't do that anymore imagine going up to a stranger going hey man your child is great love your child what the yep. fuck do you mean yeah, yeah. Uh, has he got a has he got an Instagram <laughs> he he was he was withdrawn and unremarkable as a child people say and as a kid Raider himself confessed to saying I would fantasize about bondage and being in control while I was in the scouts, while I was in the church group. I'd be sitting there going, oh, I'd love to tie him up and just bet the shit out of him. Mm. That's just the place you want someone who's getting into this sort of stuff as the scouts where he's going to learn all sorts of different knots and different (laughs) things. Like That's all I said. This is fuel for the fire, man. Yeah. They're like, oh yeah, I love bondage. The scouts caused all this. Can I, can I, can I join the scouts? They were able to do this. That's the knots, lads, right? Like, yeah. what the fuck? So he's in the scouts. 
he he used to kill cats and dogs in this way. He'd get the cats, he'd do the binding. Like there's pictures of like crucified he like crucify cats and make these pulley weights and pull cats apart, tie dogs up, like tie their snouts and then tie their hands together mm. and then like bind them so tight that they couldn't breathe and he'd like just push on their chest and watch the life just slowly yeah. ebb from from dogs and cats. Like that is if you caught a child doing that, you'd be like, right, you're going up to the fucking mental hospital. You're marked now for future serial killer notions. He could have done the decent thing and just suppressed it all with drugs. Yeah. Like a, like a, what, like a, like a normal person would. Yeah. Wait, wait till a, an appropriate drinking age, like 13 or 14, and then just start yeah. abusing substances like yeah, everybody yeah. else. And you could even tie it yourself over with glue until you hit that age. <laughs> yeah, like you yeah, could, yeah. yeah. Prit stick, doing lines of Prit stick. But he uh, he had no interest in music. People said he had no interest in, in like contemporary culture, no music at the time. He wasn't into like dressing up like mods or, you know, he born in 45. He was going through his, I guess, his uh, formative years, late 50s, early 60s, like the birth of rock and roll, all this kind of stuff. Like it took over the generation. He was just like, yeah, he dressed like a 55 year old man. Mm. Didn't give a fuck about anything. He was balding at 20. Like he didn't give any fucks. Total normal, like forgettable dude. And after he finished up in high school, he got this part-time job in a supermarket. And then he went to college in Selena, uh, which gave him like a reason to get out of the family home. And he ended up leaving home. Again, he got poor grades in college. He was forced to work uh, to support himself in college. So he he ended up joining the fraternity, getting a part-time job. And he try and re- tried to reinvent his character at this point. So he was in with the fraternities, hanging around the college campus. He was getting that early 60s, like, hey, man, let's let your hair down fucking turn in and turn on and tune in and drop out and do all that stuff and he was like yeah man this is fucking cool and walking around here and there's loads of chicks like like tie up and rape and beat it oh no stop shit like he was trying to reinvent his character yeah and and be responsible be a responsible grown-up man but these urges were were smoldering inside him this is the time obviously when he started to first like stalk and start trolling for victims to do harm to and i mean the co-ed killer like college is probably the time to get if you're if you're of that way i mean brock turner or whatever if you're of that predatory way where you're like hmm i wish i could uh find somebody to tie up and do sex stuff to let's go to a very enclosed community that's like pretty much centrally focused around uh, drugs and alcohol yeah at a very vulnerable age uh, at a time when they're starting to experiment with sex and maybe catch one or two of them that are, you know, that were maybe hugged too much or too little as a child and just try and pick one off and go, hey, do you want to tie your hands together? And then the next thing, you know, he's getting his he's getting his jollies from somebody that he's taken advantage of. Like, this is the time when he's out on his own for the first time. He doesn't have Wichita mm. leaning over his shoulder looking in and he's able to, could he get out there and start, start, feeding this this fire of yeah sexual like a deviancy i guess so like what do you say that when he why didn't he why didn't he start in no he was like i don't think the murders would have started in college yeah but like this is a good place for him it's like a good proving ground where he's like he gets these a bit close to home though is it i mean if you were uh, if you're was he on the campus was he he's, 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 in, like, he, he's living yeah. next to the campus he's supporting himself he has a part-time job but he's living outside of the family home for the first time so he has nobody watching him in the evening time yeah he's his own man he's in his late teens early 20s and he gets this kind of habit as we see later on in him of stalking 
of mm. looking at people, following people home, possibly breaking into their houses and stealing little knickknacks, yeah. you know, stealing knickers, doing that, you know. And if Animal House and Porky's and any of these other, you know, 70s college movies were to be believed, that was kind of just a hazing thing. You just rob a load of knickers and away you go, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone put them up to what he could say. Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 I was trying to get into Alpha Omega Zeta Brava house yeah. or whatever they're called. You're like, oh, Bluto, did you just like tie somebody up and rape them again? Oh, well, what are you going to do, John Belushi? Like, it's weird that this kind of thing, and weird and understandable that this kind of thing started happening. So after he's finished college, he spent a considerable amount of time in the U.S. Air Force from 1966 until 1970, presumably from the pressure from his father, who was also a military man and who was in the U.S. Marine Corps. Maybe he joined the the uh, the Air Force to get out of being drafted to fight in Vietnam, which is a, like a pretty good... That's a pretty good plan. Yeah, he didn't want to do his killing with the risk of being killed himself. Of course, so, you yeah. don't want to do yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. I don't want that. How many crazy lads who just wanted to murder people do you think went out to Vietnam? Not wanting to disparage any any veterans or anything like that, but I think there was obviously some percentage of those lads were like, oh, we get to kill people? Yeah. Sign me up. Yeah, there, well, there's plenty of interviews um, that you can get online on YouTube with ex-veterans and that who who obviously now have a, di- a different um, mindset than they had then, but they will still admit in the interview saying, "Oh yeah, I was a young man. I was a young, I was, yeah, country, I was a young man. I came a shithole." The government said, "Here, we'll train you. There's a gun. Fly you to a nice exotic place, and you can be a jolly green giant, just you know, shooting people." And I was very much into it. Do you think it was more of the I'm getting out of my hometown or it was like I get to kill people? Like how many? I've seen, I've watched one or two interviews with the veteran guys who were saying, yeah, at the time I was a young man and I thought, yeah, I can go and go and shoot people. And Could it be connected to the fact that there's a lot of young people now that are feeling very frustrated because we haven't had a good war in a while? If they were drafted and and forced to go into the into the war and, and good dose of national people. service is what a lot of these kids need. Is that I, I, I'm yeah. just saying a, a good world war would sate the 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 urges of a lot, and then also the other side, the people who would want to protest against it, they'd get their they could kicks do, too, yeah, like yeah, the proper yeah. protest against something instead of just going like, oh the the papers did a thing like these vacuous protests. Yeah, are happening so we need a war, is what you're saying. I mean good for the economy just like devil's advocate yeah get a lot of get a lot of serial killers off the streets so he he was in the air force and he got moved around a lot he was sent to lackland air force base in san antonio in texas uh, and he was moved frequently spending time in other bases in texas alabama and then later moved to okinawa uh which is just off of the uh, north carolina coast he was stationed there for six months it was in japan and he moved to uh, tachikawa base uh, which is near Tokyo. And he also then, with the Air Force, spent a lot of time in Greece, Korea, and Turkey. So he got he got around, mm. got to see the place. Yeah. Which is nice. Uh, he attained the rank of sergeant, which is, <laughs> from all the reports of how mentally deficient he was, is, I guess, a surprise. But if you're willing to do your work and sit down every day, and do, as long as you don't have to spell or read or write or do any numbers, like if he was just a working guy, mm. he had different types of intelligence. Uh, you know, why wouldn't he succeed? He was able to commit a load of murders and not get caught for 30 years. Surely he was intelligent. But I find in a lot of these reports, Gary, that um, they call him a dum-dum. Mm. A lot. And being a, coming, becoming a sergeant in the Air Force, pro, like, 
sergeant seems to be like a reasonably high rank. Mm. Like that's not something that a fucking dickhead, like a dumb dumb Lulu face, will come in and he's all like special needs. Like they don't give that shit to anybody. Yeah. So obviously, well, that's probably he probably just had like as you said certain types of intelligence that he could he could do well in that particular in that all, particular job. Everything else he was. Not everything else, but I think reading and writing was really difficult for him. Yeah. But I think that, like, a lot of the reports that I read online, a lot of the websites, a lot of the biographies, a lot of this stuff says he was a fucking, he was a retard. Right. And how did he manage to do this? Because the letters that he wrote to the press were full of grammatical mistakes and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, but, like, what about all the murders he did and never got caught for? How about he succeeded in all the things that he tried? And got to a reasonably high rank in the in the U.S. Air Force, which is not an easy task. Like, yeah, but like getting away with like some of the murders that he committed, and and in that pre um was was this all pre DNA pre DNA time yeah, yeah pre DNA yeah, times it wouldn't be, if you're just um a regular civilian type person I mean like he 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 preyed on women and kids and stuff like that so like so I'm not I'm not. Martyr him a hero. Oh no no no! I didn't mean, I just like, mean it's not that difficult. You don't really need that many smarts to force your way into a woman's home, uh, do what he did, and then just disappear back into society. Yeah, I, I guess that too. But the fact that he still eluded them after DNA was in, introduced, like he didn't get caught until the mid two thousands. Oh yeah, and even then, that was his own narcissism that got him caught, wasn't yeah, it? Because so I mean. Yeah. That's that's the that's the thing. Like, is it is it that they're maybe calling him a dum dum because it took so long for them to catch him? They're trying to like downplay how smart he was. Possibly, yeah. The law enforcement are going like, this guy wasn't smart enough to outsmart us for thirty years. He's a fucking retard. Yeah, yeah. He only got caught because he's because he did something stupid. Don't be, don't think that you can do things and get away with it. Yeah, everybody else. Yeah, but in reality, he more or less. Rang them up and said, "Hey, I'm over here." Yeah, it was it was a, yeah. a verbal count. Like yeah, it was a Kaiser Soze surrendering himself to the cops and telling his story and yeah. then walking he's, away. He like, just did it in a roundabout way. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I think he's not given like he he, he the, the, the propaganda against him is definitely like, you know, he's he's tick, mm. which I don't believe is true because a lot of people can not be great at maths or reading, writing, and arithmetic. But there can be great in other things. Yeah, intelligence is well. Like, it takes a really. it takes a lot of intelligence. Like if you're, you know, if your job is or did, not your job, but your well, actually, he did refer to his 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 activities as job his and projects. yeah, his projects. And I watched his testimony. It's always about oh yeah, I, I got back to work with the with the body and all. That's always work and finish yeah. finish off the job and that. But I think if you bind people and you torture them and then you kill them and you're able to put those together and come up with the BTK killer. It's a lot of intelligence on display there now. Yeah. I mean, that's not easy to do that's to like pick a, out those first letters and put them together. It's like a bunch of young lads in the garage uh, making a band and they're just like, oh, what do we call it? Oh, well, let's use our initials. And yeah. Make let's not sell them short. <laughs> no, no, not at all. I think that he, that he does deserve that small bit of, you know, uh, not respect, but like deference. To go, don't believe what you read on the internet that he's a tick fucker because mm. he's not. He obviously did some shit. So anything that I've read, and I read maybe like seventy different websites mm. about different aspects of the story and different little bits, they're all saying like he was, you know, borderline special needs. I yeah. don't believe it. Uh, you can judge for yourself. Let me know what you think. Info at those conspiracy guys or anywhere on social. I put the posts up and I'll show you some links where they're like going. He a dum dum. I don't think so. 
he got the rank of sergeant, but the lads in the army also said, yeah, he was pretty unremarkable. Um, what he did do when he was in Greece and Korea and Turkey and, and Japan was go and visit a lot of prostitutes to get rid of his sexual tension, I would imagine. And right. it's not unknown for military personnel to partake in the company of ladies of the evening. It's not unknown. I mean, we get that full metal jacket that, that, my one of my first exposures after uh, Good Morning Vietnam to the Vietnam War, and it was synonymously burned into my memory that like Vietnamese prostitutes were like, no, no, black dad, too boo cool, like that whole thing. Yeah, yeah, was yeah. That scene and the whole all the lads around, and I was like, yeah, they they really like physically, culturally, sexually fucked Vietnam fucked really, Vietnam. really yeah, yeah. A lot of, lot of sexually transmitted diseases, a lot of, like, um, mixed race descendancy there and a lot of that stuff happening. And this guy was doing that shit in Greece, in Turkey, and Korea, like it was happening. And I guess it was feeding some kind of a, a need to get that tension out. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to judge anyone if you're using prostitutes, if that's the way you want to do your business. But when he was getting into these prostitutes, he was going... Can I tie you up and bait you with a lint of wavin pipe? And they were like, no, no, just normal fucking please. Yeah. And he was like, oh, I really just want to tie you up and choke you a little bit. And I'm like, you just, you were just going to the wrong prostitutes, man. Mm. Or maybe the prostitute saw that and went, oh, niche. Let's do that. I'm sure like safe words and all that stuff hadn't been invented at that point, had they? Um, well, you'd need your Vietnamese prostitute to have a little bit of English as well to establish oh, one. Thing. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Tu boku, tu boku. Get the get the get the, the the Turkish one to like have like f- like flashcards, like uh, you know when Wiley Coyote is about to fall off a cliff and he just goes, "Yikes!" Or just she just like stop, don't do that. Or, stop, yeah, stop, stop squeezing my neck shut. So in all of these places as well, in in. Uh, uh, Greece and Korea and Turkey and Japan he he kept stalking he was practicing his stalking and he practiced in college it's probably difficult to do in a different culture but he was you know following people home and as a spy would do as like military or, or inter- military intelligence officers you have to practice not being seen and he would have had his camouflage on as well then he would have that would have kind <laughs> yeah, of exactly. made it a lot easier too like, like yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah I mean it's 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 uh it's a thing that you have to practice and get better at. So, like, we, we, we did an episode before on the Golden State Killer, and uh, he was doing the same thing. And he, he people would come home, and he'd be standing in the house, or he'd go into the house at night when everyone was asleep and, and move a lot of stuff around just to see if they'd notice. Mm. And then the next night, he'd come in, and he'd be shining a light in your fucking face when you're asleep, going, okay, Mrs. You tie him up, Mr. You tie her up, and then... He'd kill them both and rape yeah, them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, so so these lads who stalk, start stalking early and get the practice in. Yeah. Because it's not easy, I guess. Even though he was doing all this stuff, he still got discharged from the Air Force uh, with, with honors. He got a good conduct medal and he got a marksmanship award. And uh, when he was discovered to be the BTK killer in, in the early 2000s, everybody that was in the army who knew him were super surprised. Yeah. Like, no fucking way. He was totally normal, even though he was out stalking and doing all this stuff. Now, the testimony of him stalking and all the stuff that they're saying there as fact, it's coming from his mouth, from from um, from journals and interviews and stuff after he was apprehended. Yeah. So you can take it with a bit of, a bit of salt because he might be 
bigging himself up as he as we know now later on we, we'll tell you how he is wont to do yeah he's he has all a tenancy all right for self-promotion yeah. all right he's all about that so maybe he's telling these stories like yeah even when i was a young kid i used to like crucify cats and all like that should that could be some shit like you tell like oh yeah i had sex with this girl on holidays she was from a different school you wouldn't know her like <laughs> do you know that shit you do Probably not, no. We used to do that, you know. Oh, man, did you have sex yet? When you were, like, 14. Yeah, I did. I was on holidays in Spain. Mm, had sex with a girl. I mean, oh, you mean making up, making up stories? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. right. Yeah. You wouldn't know her. Yeah, yeah. Stay. I didn't bother. I knew. They just wouldn't believe me. Yeah, I, I didn't we, bother. I, we all tried it. Yeah. But that's the thing. Trying to big yourself up. He returned home from the army in 1970, and he served two years in the army reserves when he came home. During that time, he met his wife-to-be, Paula Dietz, and he married her in 1971. They had gone to high school together. They were high school sweethearts and they were from the same church, a Lutheran church. So it was kind of a seamless arrangement. Everyone got on. Uh, the families knew each other and it was all, you know, happy families. The American dream. You go do your service. You come home. You get married. 2.4 houses and a picket fence made out of children and away you go. So Raider then ended up getting a job for uh, this huge camp and supply company, which is one of the biggest employers uh, of, of the town that he lived in, which is called Park City, which is just outside Wichita. He worked there until 1973 until he got a job with Cessna in the small aircraft manufacturer, you know, the, the, yeah, the, the small, small single planes. engine planes. Yeah. And he went back to college then to get his degree. And after six years in night school, he got his degree in electronics. But he was very poor, um, you know, still in this education, this reading, writing stuff. And he confessed in journals that he couldn't spell very well and that he may have had a learning disability, which was undiagnosed uh, for all these years. And that happens. There's a lot of dudes like, Maybe he meant his name to be KTB Killer <laughs> yeah. and he fucked it up all along and he didn't even realize until someone, they arrested him. Are you the BTK Killer? No, I'm the KTB. No, look, you have it right there. I'm the Burger yeah. King. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, we got the letters mixed up. He may have had a learning disability. He may have had uh, some dyslexia, something like that. He doesn't know. But I guess he's not going to get diagnosed now. No one gives a shit. But like a lot of people, a lot of older dudes, Gary, like do have problems with reading. They didn't really continue on their school. Like men who were of like my father's age. Yeah. Like around around your around your late sixties. A lot of those dudes in Ireland have trouble with the the reading and the writing. Because yeah. they didn't practice. They they gave up school at fourteen or fifteen to go and work. It wasn't really like a a focus. We weren't like <laughs> there wasn't lads in the sixties sitting around in short pants like reading Chaucer and fucking you know, trying to trying to write short stories to get them in uh on Tumblr, it wasn't that that way of going on. Yeah, yeah, it was just this thing. You, you so get out and work and come home and fucking eat your dinner and go sleep and don't complain. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of people now have grown up into adults, so they're never. There's like a lot of movements here now where they're like, get these men back talking, get these men and their mental health like put together. Men sheds where men come together and they're, they're, there's modules of like learning how to read and write again. Yeah, yeah. Adult literacy, adult is literacy, big thing, and and stuff. yeah, yeah. But so many people are without it. And they don't, I guess you don't miss it if you don't have it, but like in the modern age, you have to be dealing with phones and computers and the Facebook yeah. and all that stuff. And they're not able and they feel kind of ostracized and left out of society. I, I would imagine Dennis Rader felt the same. Yeah. And, and and all that energy had to go somewhere then. Mm. He wasn't good at spelling, but he was great at choking. Um, he ended up getting let go from Cessna because of the oil crisis in the, in the mid 70s. And... This was around the time when, you know, it wasn't probably great to have a potential serial killer have a load of extra time on his hands. So he's fired from his job. He has a brand new wife. He had gone to college and ended up getting a, a degree, which was now, 
useless because all the jobs in that area in that in that uh, industry had dried up with the oil when the when the we have a whole episode on peak oil where the powers that be basically just like hike the price of oil and fake the rareness of it to to drive the the prices up and drive the demand up um a lot of businesses went out of business a lot of industry in america got fucked in the 70s and he was one of them and he ended up you know having loads of time in his hands to go around and stalk people to look into people's windows and then eventually ended up manifesting itself in a physical altercation a very planned long-term stalking of a family yeah that ended up in a, a brutal murder now as as we go along in these true crime episodes on those conspiracy guys we're not gonna go into the murder porn and into the little bits there are some details that are probably essential yeah but not uh, like that he was a pedophile yeah, I mean, was he? But he well, he well, was from, he or not? Like he was, yeah. He's well, a dirty cunt. Is like, it is it okay to give a, a certain just to back that up? Is yeah, it okay we'll, we'll, to give a? We we'll go into yeah. that. You want to tell us what happened with the Otero family then? Uh, yeah. You want me to? Please. Yeah, okay. Uh, well, on the fifteenth of January, nineteen seventy-four, uh, BTK he killed the Otero family, uh, which was Joseph the father, age thirty-eight; Julie the mother, thirty-three; and the two children, uh, Joe Junior, nine, and the daughter Josephine. Poor Josephine was eleven. And ju- without want to take you know any kind of respect or reverence away from the dead people, but to be fair, Joseph Otero was really on for making his legacy last. Because he had Joe Jr. and Josephine. He wasn't letting any of them kids get away without a Joe name. I've only just noticed that now that you yeah. said it. I, I read their names out and I didn't even notice that. Yeah, Joseph, Joe and <laughs> Josephine. Lord of mercy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, but all those four people were killed at the hands of BTK, yeah? Yeah, yeah. And I was wondering, like, uh, it, it took this before I looked into it when I was researching, knowing I was coming on the show. I was wondering, how the fuck does a guy get in and get the better of the father and the mother and all the rest? Maybe the kids running away. And or, then yeah. I thought, oh, well, maybe, you know, pistol, he had a gun on him. So, yeah, uh, yeah that was it. In with the gun. Getting a, getting a, get getting them tied a, up. Yeah, getting all the rest. Yeah. There was one other kid that came, one of the kids came home, uh, a 15 year old, and found. Found everyone there, everyone yeah. Haunted the, the carnage. Two other kids were, were at school at the time. Yeah. Like, that's got to be a shit school day. And know? this one remained unsolved until what was it, the, until 1978. And he sent a letter to the Wichita TV station, uh, K-A-K-E, or Cake, claiming responsibility for the killings. Uh, this was a letter that... Um, this was the letter that got us the name BTK. And when he sent a second letter to the same crowd demanding media attention, the people in Wichita knew they had a serial killer on their hands. And it was, so it was his, his suggestion, like, you know, call yeah. me the BTK killer. We go through the letters and stuff later on yeah. and I read exactly the text, but it was like, he gave them a bunch of options and people just chose BTK. I'm like, you fuck. <laughs> it's a bit much, you know? But well, like, this was the, this was the, the, the first outing. This is like the, the original eruption uh, the original how, single release is yeah. how he described it was he has this thing inside himself and it just erupted and mm. this was his first eruption and the uh, Ontario family were unfortunate enough to meet him so the brutal method which he killed this family um, was to be a president for the f- uh, following murders 
The parents bound and tortured and the daughter brought down to the basement and hanged in an execution style. During his settlement plea more than 30 years later he described in graphic detail every move he made in that house that night and gave authorities a deep dive into the mind of a killer. He claimed he was underprepared and didn't know how long it took to strangle someone. That's mental. Yeah, this was really difficult. Listen to his testimony on this one. It was very difficult to get to because the family, different members of the family kept kind of coming in and out yeah. of consciousness enough to know that oh my family members have been yeah yeah so um he tried to kill um julie oterio by strangulation and when she stopped moving he thought he was done but she woke up later on as he was killing her son joseph yeah and she tried to struggle and then he's like okay i have to leave the kid yeah, back to her yeah. and so he's a mess he's he's a, he's a mess he just this. didn't he just didn't know how like i mean when you strangle someone for the first time you don't know how long it's going to take. Yeah. On the movies, it's just like, blah, 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 and you're done. Like, I, I watched um, the movie version of Angels and Demons, the Dan Brown book. Yeah. And there's a guy that's drowned in the pool. And in the book, he gives this massively long explanation as to the physical kind of uh, uh, events that would happen around somebody drowning. Mm. And it takes a long time. To drown? To drown somebody. Yeah. Or to drown yourself, I guess. Because there's like kicking and there's like sprocking and then there's a time when you, you go unconscious, but you're not fully unconscious. You can still see stuff and you just can't move. And then you go into hypoxia, which the oxygen goes out of your brain. Yeah. But you're still conscious. So whatever's being done to you, you can still feel as pain. Yeah. And then there's a time when, <laughs> yeah. And then there's a time when after a long period of not moving at all, when the hypoxic uh, shock starts in the muscles because the brain is without oxygen, so it starts sending out um, like emergency electrical signals. Yeah. So you, then you start to twitch and fit again. So you're like twitching and fitting and fighting, and then you go like still, and then just before the end, you start sprocking again. Yeah. So like when you're choking someone and if they're not moving for a while, they're like, "Okay, it's done." You still have to go until you get the second sprock. And that's all detailed in that book. And I was like, oh, shit. Because you can't look up, like, how to strangle someone to be cunts knocking at your door. But, like, that's that's how it works. You know? Yeah, it's yeah. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah, drowning sucks. <laughs> yeah. I, I, everybody, say, everybody always says it's uh, it's the most peaceful way to go. But I've been told different. Told different. <laughs> yeah. That's it. So poor, poor Josephine uh, got brought down to the basement. And he finally got to use all of his animal execution practices yeah on her hung her up by a pipe in the basement that's right unceremoniously yeah and then um he masturbated um all over the bodies now when i looked into this earlier um in particular this is why i, I said uh, that he was a pedophile right uh because when he brought josephine 11 years of age down to the basement after and he everyone hung, else was already dead and he yeah. hung her and then when she was uh passed on he masturbated over her body yeah so yeah like i mean that would, would wouldn't that imply that he's a i mean in my book it is anyway i mean yeah, if you're would, looking it, at it you would presume yeah if you're looking at an 11 yeah. year old alive or dead and you're masturbating then yeah when we looked at the case of Andre Chikatilo. Yeah, that's the, who I thought of when I was um, yeah, so looking at this guy. That thing, I don't think it's to do with actual, like, sexual gratification. Mm. Where you're looking at, you know, boobies and then you get a boner. Yeah, I know or he's getting... Or if you're getting, a you're looking at kids and going like, hmm. I know kids. he's getting off on the... on the, on the, the control, the, the power. Yeah, the oh yeah, I know there's all that yeah. there. But still, if you're... <laughs> 
I know what you mean. I know what if you're mean. within within a few feet of a child and you've got like your penis in your hand and you're stroking it off in my book, then no matter what other twisted fucked up shit is wrapped up in it, yeah, you know, I get it. Because I mean, he's getting the same. He's getting the same um, um, control hit off, uh, you know, the death of an adult. And he does it later on so where he, he jerks still, off on the adults as yeah, well. Yeah, so he's still getting that. Like, So I think that he paid that particular attention to the young girl and did that. Then, yeah, like I would say pedophilic tendencies. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt you. Yeah, it's probably, I'd say it's probably low down on the list of his sexual proclivities. It's, his, it's more about the bondage than it is about the person. Yeah. It's more about the control. And if he wanted to take somebody away, like he'd already tried to cho- choke the mother out. Yeah. And it, it didn't, like, he, he wasn't there for sex crimes. He was there for... Sexual gratification. Yeah. yeah. And oh, the bond, yeah, yeah. And the bonding, the, 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 the tying part and the strangling part of it was his sexual gratification. It kind of didn't matter who it was, even though, like, his victims were, like, p- predominantly women. Mm. I don't think it was like, oh, I want to strangle a woman. It's just like, I want to strangle somebody, and then it gives me the mad horn. Mm. Do you know? Like, some people are fucking attracted to lampshades yeah yeah do you know i want to fuck a bunch of bananas or like i want someone to stand on my dick with the heel of a stiletto yeah that gets me off but it doesn't have to be a woman clad in skin tight leather with her boobs hanging out in some kind of weird bodice where it's all like oh it's the whole it's just like no i just want someone to stand on my balls it can be like you know five foot two man i don't care just someone you know like those weird sexual predilections that people have i don't want to be kink shaming anybody but like if you're into some weird stuff you want someone to you know like like when you're jerking off you want somebody to be like reading the first chapter of uh wuthering heights or something like that and you're like oh yeah i can get to that bit get that bit oh yeah yeah and what and like that's just whatever happened to you when you were a kid it's associated with that thing where you can't have an orgasm unless yeah you have that in your brain haunt me but don't leave me (laughs) yeah Yeah. so that's that's pretty much like i think what he's what he's working with there is some deep-seated uh sexual impropriety at some stage in his life associated him with that. I know I know like I, I know I'm being very black and white about that just saying like yeah, yeah, yeah there's a child involved and a man with an erect penis he's obviously a pedophile but uh, yeah I, I, I suppose it's not realistic to think that he's in the basement with a child hanging from the ceiling and he's masturbating himself and then he realizes oh wait uh, this is inappropriate. She, she's a child this is so wrong I should stop that maybe go back upstairs and yeah, yeah. yeah. but really really grisly event um, absolutely well that DNA like that sly wank uh, ended up coming back to haunt him more than 30 years later. Mm. Uh, we'll talk about that in a little while, but uh, it just, it, it was just, yeah, it was one of the, it was like a brutal murder. He bungled it, which is worse. Like if you're going to get fucking strangled today, you want it to happen quick, get it over with. Yeah. Like he kind of fucked it up. This is really prolonged. But mm. then he, he, as we find out later, he kind of, he went on though to, to purposefully prolonging and that, yeah, the that strangulation. Maybe he got they, off yeah. on that. He didn't. I didn't know how to strangle people, or did I not? Yeah, Maybe yeah. I did. Tell them all about it, those conspiracy guys. Uh, there is more victims, though, Gary. We're not going to go deep into it, but like, um, we just we, we'll fly through and let let the people know the names. Okay. Uh, on the fourth of April, uh, nineteen seventy four, BTK struck again, and unknown, of course, to the police at the time, and killed Catherine Bright. 
he stalked his victims and watched and waited for their daily routine to make it possible for him to strike. He waited in Bright's apartment until she returned from work and stabbed, tied, and strangled her. So you got this was his first like properly executed BTK killing. Yeah, this is the way right. he wanted to do it. Like it was yeah a hit as he would call them. Yeah, this a guy. Job, yeah, a yeah, PJ yeah. Project. He thought he was. I I think maybe in his own little world he thought he was a hit man yeah. in his own private world. Johnny, two things. I'm gonna get the papers. Yeah. Get the papers. Like. I got that thing for you. I mean, maybe this was the way he felt he was achieving something. Do you know? Because in school he was shit and work he was shit and all the things he just got fired from his job. He was at, uh, I don't know if you listen to many of these true crimes, but I like to hit the kind of the vulnerability, try and get to the humanity of these murderers to go like, maybe this happened, maybe that. Like a lot of people go, no, he killed him and that's it and they're bad. But like this guy's at a point in his life. It's 1974. He just got laid off. Yeah, from a really good job. He's newly married, then newly divorced. Yeah, like 1974, he's getting divorced. Like some shits happening in this guy's life where he's like, I just want to succeed at something, and he ends up going out and doing this. He can nearly kind of understand. Like, yeah, I can see that happening. Some guy just snaps and then just starts fucking going around choking people because he's like, I've held this shit in for so long. I've been such a good guy for so long, and now you know what? You know what? I'm gonna fucking do that shit. But though he makes reference himself to Factor X, that thing. That so he, yeah, too, yeah. So he says himself like that. Um, no, I just think I have that thing in me. But not having the job and having extra time to be around doing all this stuff, it was a confluence of of circumstances that facilitated that behavior. Yeah. I think. So he killed Catherine Bright, stalked mm. her for a little while, waited in her apartment, and she landed in. Really weird thing happened there, though. A right? very weird thing happened. Um, a very tragic thing. Um, her brother Kevin, she had Ke- uh, brother Kevin Bright, and he walked in, and the BTK shot him in the head after strangling him. Yeah, that's mental. Yeah, and then he didn't die at first. He kind of faked his death, kind of lay there, kind of hoping, you know, it would all just be over. Yeah. And then uh, BTK kind of copped onto this. He, or he tried to escape. He was yeah, so, shimmying for the door. Yeah, so he got shot again in the head. Again. And, yeah, and Kevin stayed down, uh, but he did survive, and he survived to give testimony eventually, which somehow links him to Zodiac because he said, I'm a wanted man in California, and I need your keys and wallet to escape. Yeah, when when uh, we talk about how BTK might actually be the Zodiac killer, oh. and uh, Kevin Bright was one of the major kind of, I guess, uh, contributions to that evidence. Right. Because Zodiac, for the one person that got away from him, said that I'm a wanted man in Montana. Yeah. I need your keys and your wallet to survive. Which is the exact same phrase that BTK whispered to, to Kevin Bright just before he killed him. Right. And he lived to tell the tale, thinking, after getting shot in the head twice. Yeah, and Zodiac was popular uh, well, for... No, no, he, he was, he was um, sending letters to the, the media all exactly. the time, wasn't he? Yeah, exactly. he was a letter writer too, wasn't he? Codebreaker and all this stuff. Yeah. So it's just weird that Kevin survived two shots in the head, number one, uh, Tupac Shakur. Yeah. And, and number two, he was able to give this testimony that later on would show like, holy shit, man, that, that BTK could be Zodiac. Yeah. I don't think he and could. and I, I had heard the BTK saying in um, one of his testimonies that it was a 357 Magnum that he was walking around with. Fuck so me. And he got shot in the head twice with a 357 I'm, I'm pretty, Magnum. If my memory serves me right, that's what he said in one of his testimonies that he had a 357 If Either Kevin Magnum. Bright is a f- hard bastard. He got a or, hard head. Yeah. <laughs> or BTK is a shit shot. Yeah. Uh, so we, we we fast forward now a couple of years. He takes a break after, March, uh, yeah. after Catherine and 
uh, he hits up Shirley then in 77, right? That's right. The um, Wichita police receive a call on 17th of March 1977, a call for assistance on 1311 South Hydraulic Street, where they found the body of Shirley Vianne. Vianne? I, I, I would pronounce Vianne. Vianne, I guess. Who had been bound and suffocated with a plastic bag. She had all of the hallmarks of the BTK killing, but they found her five-year-old boy in the closet who said he had witnessed the whole thing peeping through a keyhole. That's rough. Yeah, that's that's rough. And later on, BTK was asked, like, you know, why did you leave everybody alive? And he couldn't explain it. And I think he didn't know the kid was in the closet. Right. That the kid, the, the mother had hit him, maybe. Um weird and shocking well there was another murder where he um stashed the kids down in the bathroom didn't he so he he, yeah. he, he it wasn't beyond him to kind of go yeah okay we'll just do the parent today then yeah put the kids aside again a stroke of humanity that maybe he didn't really get off on <laughs> i don't know doing he, stuff to you'd kids. wonder though you'd wonder though was it was it a result of his humanity or did he just in the moment kind of figure yeah it's probably time to leave now probably time to maybe this is a bit too much to uh, right yeah maybe this is a bit too much to go and start yeah, maybe. On, on the children maybe but on the 8th of December then, 1997... About nine months Or later. 1977, excuse me, 1977, the police receive another call with instruction to the house of Nancy Fox at 843 South Pershing, Pershing Street, where they found her strangled but not raped, even though there was semen on the body. She so he didn't, did another... He did another, yeah. I think poor Nancy is one who he really prolonged the... I know you don't want to get into the gory details yeah, of things, a, but... There's a, I have a website that will detail everything from his testimony yeah yeah and it's like blow for blow it's a rough reading but yeah. I, I i put it up uh, i put it up on, on those conspiracy guys that come around social media somewhere well she had no defensive wounds mm. and so which means that he had control over her um pretty much all the time but, but didn't, it, he didn't rape her no he 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 didn't um penetrate any of his victims actually yeah. it was all master brand that's that's what made me think of chikatilo um, yeah, he was was, getting, yeah he did the same thing too well, yeah. i remember the story when he was he said he was 15 and he was in the pool and he he was like almost drowning a girl like play fighting is this chikatilo now chikatilo yeah chikatilo, right. when he was like 15 and he or yeah when he was 15 and he drowned drowning an 11 year old girl for the crack in the pool like having a bit of a joke yeah and like she started to struggle and he was like oh this is great and he ended up coming in his pants just from like drowning some young one in the i hope that chlorine <laughs> but think Lots about what chlorine. happened like if you're to look at what BTK is doing mm. and think about what we know about Chikatilo, like his ma took him out. He grew up in a place where people were eating other people during a famine. His ma took him out for pissing the bed and pulled his dick skin out like as far as it'd go and then whipped his dick with a fucking bamboo rod. And was like, dirty thing. Like punished, pu- tortured and punished his dick. Like, so then it would never work sexually. He couldn't have normal sex with people. And the only way he could get sexual gratification was to choke the life out of someone. Right. And as he choked the life out of his victims, he would like orgasm. So if you're looking at that and what's going on with BTK, yeah. where he can only, like he jerks off the people that he has, that he has bound and tortured and then killed. Yeah. Some shit happened to this guy. Had to. Some shit happened to this guy when he was a kid that pushed him to this because you don't get that stuff from nothing. Like, from any of the serial murders, any of the people who commit crimes like this, from what we know, you don't just pick it up off the ground, you know. Mm. Something happened to him. 
and he's he, he's not telling us. But do you do like? I mean, just just to have a, a bit of a bit of a side chat here about the nature. I mean, do, do you believe in just the existence of evil? Just that yeah. evil is out there. People want to do awful stuff to people, but there's always like when Chris Rock said on that. Uh, but he's talking about Columbine on stage, and he's yeah. like, "Whatever happened to crazy? Yeah, just whatever happened to crazy and cra- two, crazy mixed with but, a bit of evil, and that's it." There you have it. We're, we're not just crazy, and that's the whole point. That it's very easy to go, "Oh, yeah, that's just crazy." Yeah. It's easy to go, I don't understand it, so it's like, you know, it's the modern equivalent of here be monsters. Right, well, I, I, I kind of meant it in the way of like, whatever happened to just evil? Whatever happened to just evil? Someone's evil, that's it. Evil gene, got the evil gene. Factor X, that's it, you're evil. Because people are able to moderate their behavior. Like, mm. there, there are psychopaths walking around the world now that are like CEOs of companies and shit, and they don't rob or rape somebody, but they get whatever they need to get from doing their job that they do. Yeah. Some people feel the need to kill, but as we go through all of these true crime killers, it's the same shit happening to them in their childhood or mid-adolescence. Same shit is happening all the time. I'm not saying that everybody who gets sexually molested could possibly be uh, a serial killer, but there are links between like, you know, uh, uh, sexual molestation and the use of intravenous drugs in later adult life. There's there's loads of links between... uh, you know, psychological, deep-seated psychological disorders and the triggering of stuff like um, schizophrenia and bipolar and borderline personality disorder from incidents of sexual abuse as a child, mm-hmm. even sexual exposure. So, like, if you're doing this shit and everyone before you and loads of other murderers who kill people the same way as you do have all then confessed or explained, yeah, some shit happened to me and I decided instead of doing a load of mad drugs and becoming an alcoholic... And like going introverted that I was going to take a, take revenge on the world by going out and killing a lot of people. Mm. And then this happens to this guy and he doesn't say that he got fiddled as a kid. You're kind of going, Factor X sounds like, you know, your fucking uncle fingered you or something. And you're just not, you're just making up a thing yeah, to make yourself. Again, it's the BTK social media facade. He's wanting to put out this thing where it's like, I'm evil and Factor X is the thing. And I'm, you know, I'm pure evil. Write me down the history books as this, not like. I was a victim. He doesn't want to be the victim. He doesn't want to show his weakness. He doesn't want to show his vulnerability to the the baying public. He's mm-hmm. like, I'm fucking evil and I want to instill fear in everyone because again, the control. He's like, I want to control all ye and be, make ye be afraid. And the whole time he was anonymous. He was an anonymous killer and he's fucking squeezing his dick every night going, nobody knows who I am and they're all afraid of me. Ooh. Son of Sam was the same. Son of mm-hmm. Sam stalked New York for for ages where women were like so afraid that there was this report that went out and said he's he's killing women that have like shoulder length brown hair yeah and so those women fucking shaving their heads and dyeing their hair blonde and all the blonde wigs went off the shelves yeah, and that like because yeah, they didn't yeah. want to, because the fear was there so this guy btk is putting fear in and he's getting the sexual gratification from control because at one point in his life probably he was out of control he was in a situation where Something happened to him or was done to him that he had no control over. And that happens in a lot of rape cases and it happens in a lot of like robberies and it happens in a lot of like kidnappings or even in car crashes and in obviously in war and all of these kind of things. But in in pretty, I don't want to say mundane things as getting sexually assaulted is not a mundanity in any way. But because you're out of control in that situation, a lot of those people end up suffering from the symptoms of PTSD. Mm. And they end up 
with untreated PTSD that develops into some other more serious or more symptomatic, more outwardly symptomatic psychological or mental disorder. So people end up like getting compulsions. They end up getting, you know, uh, uh, even visual and auditory hallucinations based on like, you know, the same shit that they do with trauma-based mind control. Those symptoms end up manifesting themselves. And if this guy is not saying like, you know, my uncle Tommy fucking rolled me up the hole when I was seven. So then that's why I was like really bad in school because like I didn't want to go to school for ages and uh, I wasn't interested in that because I was brutally depressed and I couldn't tell anybody because my dad was in the army and he was just like, be a fucking man, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Instead, he created this whole alter ego, gave himself a fucking nickname, sent a lot of letters to the, to the police and to the media and said, I'm BTK, I've got Factor X and I'm invincible and I'm evil and nobody knows who I am and I'm going to fucking terrorize America. That's way better than saying, like, my uncle rolled me up the hole and I feel really bad about it, so I choked these women to death. Right. So you reckon just... <laughs> That's a really big <laughs> answer, but, like, after thinking about it, thinking about this case for the last couple of days, like, that's what I'm coming up with. Yeah. That this guy is not... I know I'm not off the fence yet, but, like, something had to happen. You believe something happened there, had like... Had yeah. just fucking... All signs point to, like, finger up the bum job, like. But what know? about what about just having, like, a, a, just a this, this, this deep, seated narcissism that he had that that was just just a that as well as it, it's to counteract um um a traumatic moment of being out of control what you do for every moment after that is try to be in control mm. do you know yeah like that's like i was gonna say something really fucking pretentious so he, like, he was that's psychology 101 gary so he was going to great like, um great lengths to just bring his life back together then and have some kind of yeah, to be the one to be grounded the, in some way or doing the thing yeah yeah like do you believe in just like that there's just evil people are just evil i i i i think it's yeah i, I believe it's i i wouldn't i wouldn't let go of the idea of that that i mean i mean of all the time in the world for what happened to someone when they were a child and yeah. all of this but uh yeah i, I think that, that there's the existence of of just pure evil i think it exists yeah where would it exist? Where would you have a good example of just like... Ah, f- these fucking sick fucking bastards that cut children up like and slice them from, you know, from their privates up to their face. And you know like these... Fred West shit. Yeah, nah, you know these crazy... I mean, well, I mean, pedophilia is a big thing for me. I mean, I think pedophilia is like... I mean, and I know that they're opening it up now and they're saying, oh yeah, but it's... um. You know, it's a sexual orientation that you could be born with it and this, that and the other. But then there's your common sense. And then there's the screams of a child as yeah. as you think you're making love to them, but you're really not. Like, you know, it's actually torture. But it's yeah, perception yeah. of the adults, No, right? I, t- I, think, I think real evil exists, yeah. Do you not think? I don't think it explains everything. Yeah. I wouldn't just point at everything that's bad and go, oh yeah, evil, evil, evil. I've all the time in the world for figuring out what went on with someone when they were a kid and all that. But yeah, I think the, the existence of, of real evil is there, yeah. I in, mean, we, in, in we, accept week, that we, we accept yeah. that we have great goodness in us, don't we? As people, yeah, as humans. Have, for great goodness, you, ha- you, like, you have to... You have to put the effort in to be good. Oh, I know, but I mean, the people like the in, when there's evil. when there's we, we accept that in humanity, like when there's a big tragedy and the way people pull together and strangers go, to, they help, they break their back to help a stranger who's in need, and then we go, oh yeah, there's good. But because so, they've been shown as a habitual, you know, a, a behavior that you would show other people, alter their lives as a kid, 
that helping other people is a good thing. Like if you have a 16 year old that's well mannered and in good form and, you know, says please and thank you and holds open doors for old ladies and helps, you know, uh, uh, people across the street and shit. You, you would probably say, yeah, he was raised right. He has he has parents that have taught him good and virtuous values. And then he ends up behaving correctly as an adult because that's what he's been showing all through his life. Yeah. And then if you have a 16 year old that fucking throws rocks at trains, do you know? And like shits in a tissue and puts it through people's letterbox or fucking kicks dogs or like slaps the teacher or fucking, you know, stabs his classmate with a pencil. Yeah. Obviously, that kid does not have a great home life. And you have to go and investigate that thing if you're part of like the social, the the social infrastructure that he's part of. Like is he his teachers or a social worker or somebody belong to him, a guardian, someone. Like if you have a kid that's that's exposing himself or, or... that's like behaving in that antisocial way. The first thing you think of is there's something fucking going on at home. Like yeah, that yeah. kid has had some shit happen to him in his life. He's had some seen some shit and it's bad news and you start behaving badly. Yeah. Because that's like the, the way they feel inside is like, I feel like doing this and they just do it because of the things that have happened to them. Yeah. It's undeniable that you don't just get a 15 year old who's a cunt who's like stabbing people and setting fire to shit and doing all these things that are quintessentially psychological red flags. You don't get that without some kind of t- tinderbox trauma. Right. But what about the people who, um, you know, that they, they, they never had any kind of trauma at home and, and, and it, it's when they reach adulthood that they start to kind of unleash their own little brand of evil on the world. I, I, I still if, can't you know, find somebody if, that, like from all the murderers that I've looked at, I, kill, st- I still can't find somebody that has that thing that hasn't had something go on like that. Well, what about our man here that we're talking about here? I mean, was there anything in his childhood? It doesn't say. It doesn't say. And, he, so, doesn't and say. he doesn't say. So maybe maybe he's our guy. Quite possibly. And Big. that's why he stayed hidden for so long because it was very hard to profile him, very hard to find a guy who's like, you know, let's find out who this guy is. Yeah. Maybe the continual trauma of being really poor at school and being ridiculed and bullied and all of this, maybe that pushed him into like, I, I like to tie up all those guys that were bullying me or pushing me around because I was slow, because it was a bit like yeah. special in class and he was having a shit time in school. And he had this fantasy of like, I want to tie people up. Like he said later on in interviews, he's like, yeah, I fantasized when I was a kid about tying people up, fantasizing in school about it. And you're like... In what way, though? Like, when you're a kid, you're not going, oh, I have the horn for fucking hog-tying, you know, Miss Mulcahy in English class. Like, But if you had, a, a, like, a reason to tie somebody up, like, they were being physically abusive to you, and you're like, I'd love to tie your hand so you couldn't hit me anymore. And then he associated that with success, control, taking back, you know, owning his, his somebody else's behavior that led to him being happier. That would be a reason why, I think. Right. Trying to think of like, you know, anybody out there who fucking loves bondage, if that gets your gets your dick hard or gets your fanny wet and you're like, oh yeah, I love being tied up and dominated. Is there a reason for that? Can you explain it? Can someone reach out to me and let me know? I've seen loads of, let's say, uh, <clears throat> educational material uh, on that particular topic and, and none of it seems to say like, yeah, oh, yeah, like this is all based in some kind of a, yeah, youthful traumatic abuse. I don't think so. Some people just like being slapped a bit sometimes. Yeah. But can you not like, when well, you really think about it, if you like being slapped around or getting a love tap or an old... Uh, a little spanking when you don't need it. An old kiss and a choke and a, you know, a, 
a little bit of a rough poke. Like if it's something like that going on, maybe you know you were spanked. You were spanked as a child for doing something that was really naughty, and you know you're like, oh my god, I got caught and I got spanked, and it wasn't that bad, and ooh. and it just implanted some weird thing in your head that you can't have a good time with, with sex without getting a smack on the arse. Like mm-hmm. I think it's totally possible that there's these wires that get like implanted in 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 kids and young adults that end up making your sexual predilections later on in life. Yeah. Like, who knows why people are attracted to the shit they're attracted to? Who knows? But there are definitely, you know, Freudian schools of thought on on that kind of thing, you know? So the only reason you want to do that is because all along, for your whole life, you wanted to get back inside of your mother's vagina. Like, that's what he was all about, do you know? Yeah. So maybe it's it's something to do with that. I don't think that there's just pure evil. There is reasons that people do stuff. And I think that in one way or another, these people were influenced into doing that. Like otherwise you'd have way more instances of it. Cause 1977, there was like 2 billion people on the planet, a bit more. Like you would have had an awful lot more serial killers doing the stuff that he was doing with absolutely no reason. Cause everybody else that was caught during the seventies, which was like, seems like, you know, the golden age of American serial killers. All of those guys were like, yeah, this shit happened to me. And, uh, so I just started like raping and killing people because that shit happened. And it seems like maybe a cop out because they're going, yeah, there's a reason for it. And I'm, I was a victim once and now I'm not a victim anymore. But maybe BTK's hubris meant that he couldn't admit to being weak at any point. And he still wanted to maintain this facade of power and control right up until like now. He still hasn't said anything, but like in 2005 and four and five and six when he was being apprehended and kind of analyzed and the real story was coming out and they're finding out who Dennis Rader was. He, he was battling against other, we talked about it in a second, like battling mm. against other lads who were trying to write a book and he's like, no, you're not getting my story. I'm telling my story the way I want it because he wants to control the narrative of his life. Yeah. He doesn't want anyone going back and investigate it. Uncle Tommy fucked him up the bum because then that makes him a victim and he doesn't want that. So he's occluding us from that part of the story. He wants to be the master yeah. BTK and killer. Say, yeah. evil lives in me. Sure, who, who, what can't do an evil shit doesn't want to be known as the most evil man ever. Like, you're not doing it to come second place, especially if you're binding people up and torturing them. Yeah. But that was like a mad aside from all the facts. But I think that's probably my best explanation for those things. Or maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, you know, it, it's weird. It's like that, you know, uh, uh, that Engels logic, you know, this kind of, uh, if, if, if this is that, then that is this, you know? So if you say like, oh yeah, if someone who binds people up and rapes and murders them, was sexually abused as a child. That means that anyone who was ever sexually abused as a child has the potential to be a mass serial killer. It's not true, but it definitely is a confluence of factors that make somebody who has any kind of predilection there, it activates them. Do you know? Like mm. we read stuff like American Psycho. He had nothing happened to him. He just loves doing fucked up shit and like going into mad stuff. But obviously you're educating, your, educating yourself into how to do that. And they start off by torturing and killing animals when you're a young kid. Like, this was six and seven. And he starts going out and fucking torturing animals. Like, something happened to him to make him flip and start doing that. Definitely. Like, you can't, you can't say the kid's not going to do that shit. And that's the next thing. Like, if you see, if you see a kid, like when we talked about the John Bonet Ramsey case, um, John Bonet Ramsey's older brother, like, used to get his shit and smear it on the walls. And people were like, that is, Sexual abuse 101. Signs of sexual abuse 101. Your kid smearing his own shit on the walls. 
Like, that's ultimate, like, worst level sexual trauma. If your kid is fucking smearing poop on the walls, something's been done to that kid. And that's, like, across the board, on the books, like, definitely something's going on there. Mm. Is that true? Yeah, that's they say it is. Could it be a factor that, like, there's this one kid just one time who's just like, ooh, brown paint, and he just starts fucking writing his name on the wall and his own shit without anything having been done to him? Quite possibly. But for all accounts, when that's being done something's happened yeah just like with this if you're doing sex crimes and some shit's happening like that and it's very specific and it's this only way and then you fucking wank over your victim something was done to this guy and he's trying to maintain a facade of i'm cooler than cool i just don't think you can just have just evil man like you know there has there's a reason for everything that's why maybe uh people have religion you know like that they want to attribute absolute good to like this deity that humans can never attain yeah and then they want to attribute absolute evil to like this threatening force that you don't want to be like but will take you over if you decide to behave like it and we have this like ineffable ulterior force that's outside of us that are, that is making us do stuff so it also takes away from our autonomy and it's been created all through all these religions it takes away from the fact that humans control our own behaviors and if we do something bad we have to take guilt for it but the way the church, especially the Catholic church, has, you know, orchestrated this infrastructure, that if anything good happens, it's because of Jesus. It's like, oh, did you get did you get that job that you worked really hard for and then did a lot of interviews for and trained really hard for ages and now have all the experience and then you did a great interview and you're a perfect fit for that job and you got that job? <sighs> Thanks, Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, man, thank yourself. Do you know? Yeah. But a lot of people put that thing out like, well, you know, if I'm giving up all my evil... And, and somebody else's, any evil things that I do, it's some evil force making me do it. If I ever do anything good, I have to give the, give the fucking, the, you know, give the props to the, the good force. Yeah. So it takes away human autonomy because what they want to have is no guilt for the bad things that they've done because somebody made me do it. But what they have to give in exchange is you can't take any, any credit for any good thing that you do because that has to go to Jesus. Yeah. And that's where we live in this thing where we take no responsibility for good or evil and it puts us in a very truncated uh you know lane of operation and the people who don't believe in religion kind of tend to do like uh, immoral stuff you know like oh you're, you know you're not getting married or you're having sex outside of marriage or you're cheating on your wife or you're doing drugs or you're doing you know all the stuff that the catholics are not allowed to do and it's like that's satan living yeah. in you and it's like is it or am i just having a good time and then when you do good stuff that's all you. And you can be like, yeah, I did a lot of good stuff too. So I'm allowed to go and fucking... So it's a win-win. Like, do you know what I mean? But yeah. there's that infrastructure that has been traditionally there across all humanity is if you ever do anything bad, it's not you. It's that evil force outside. But if you ever do anything good, it's Jesus's fault. Don't think you're great. Don't think you're great or anything. So I don't believe in that absolute evil because it's like a cop-out for people who just want to go, oh yeah, it was me. Yeah. Oh, I know. I still think it. I think. I think it's out there. I think it's. It exists. I think it exists along with everything else. Yeah, possibly. Well, I don't think it's influencing humans' decisions. I think people do stuff on their own, and then try and get away with doing shitty things by saying, "Oh, yeah, it was something else." Do you know? Possibly. Yeah, it's a long. There was a long spiel, but I've thought about that a lot, and I. I don't often get the chance to lash it out. So, with all that out of the way, that's fucking mad pontificatory shit but it's you know if you want to join in in that conversation we're going to do a live chat but uh nancy fox killed on uh the 8th of december 1977 after this btk kind of went into a hiatus right 
yeah, he yeah he fell silent um, up until 1984, and Wichita police set up the organization Ghostbusters to look at the evidence once again <laughs> with new DNA technology that was invented for the Jurassic Park movie. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, 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 you didn't say the magic word. What year was Ghostbusters the movie released? Eighty. <sighs> 384 so something these like that are just like it? yeah we're, we're gonna have to catch BTK what do we call it I don't know Ghostbusters I don't know was it Ghostbusters 82 maybe was it 82 like that's that's, that's a banana's name for a task force to find BTK right yeah what the fuck is the point of that but the Wichita police were out to get him yeah well they figured that he must be local and as soon as the knowledge became public btk struck up again and on the 16th of september 1986 uh, vicky wagerly was founded was found by her husband and her driver's license was missing it looked like a btk motivated attack but the police weren't sure and the time difference was discouraging yeah it had been an it had been ages since a btk murder like nearly 10 years so they were going like, yeah, it looks like BTK, but that has been gone away. And usually when uh, serial killers would have a big gap in their, uh, I guess, project completion, mm. uh, to use BTK's terms, the police would presume that this is a lad who just wasn't caught and then he got lamped on some other like minor crime somewhere else along the line and he was sitting in jail for however long that takes. Yeah. And then as soon as he gets out of the jail, he starts again. So they may be taught like, oh yeah, he was in jail for 10 years. And of course, then the Wichita police go... Searching through all the jail records, trying to find out, you know, guys that were incarcerated for crimes similar, maybe in a different state. And it begins this whole big search, which may have like put them off the scent or made them start looking in other places. Because Dennis Rader wasn't in prison at any point. He was out walking around. Same with Golden State Killer, same with Ted Bundy, same with Dahmer, same with John Wayne Gacy. Like you stop for a while and you start up again and people think, oh, yeah, he must have been in jail. They start checking the jails. Not really, you know. Mm. We talked about Prop 69 in the Golden State Killer uh, episode. And Prop 69 is the compulsory donation of DNA by any uh, felon. So that they have them all on a database. And then they're able to run them off of loads of unsolved crimes across the whole country. So there's a countrywide database that they put together to see if they did commit any crimes anywhere else. And it has been successful. There have been people that have had crimes that are gone unsolved for years that end up getting solved because these guys finally get caught for some fucking traffic ticket. They go to jail, they get their DNA, take a little swab, and it's like, okay, bang, 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 we have you for all these crimes, you're fucked. But up until then, that wasn't happening. So this guy comes back and they're like, I don't know, looks like BTK, but maybe it's not him, it's been a while. And then, of course, a few few months later... Uh, Yeah, a few months later, on the 19th of January, 1991... Uh, Dolores Davis was found near a river and killed with the BTK method after being abducted from her home. And the case was reopened and BTK was the main suspect. Yeah, undoubtedly it was him Mm. at this point. And this meant that the police had a serial killer that could go years without attacks, making him a part-time killer, not dissimilar to the Golden State killer, James Joseph D'Angelo. Yeah, that's the crack. Like, I mean, you go off the grid for a little while and people think you got arrested this guy comes back they're like what the fuck we've never had the ship before he's the Daniel Day Lewis of serial killers <laughs> yeah method man yeah he just Absolutely. goes away and comes back and but um, we, did, we did have one escapee he wasn't he wasn't immaculate BTK he did have uh, an escapee called Anna Williams 
uh, who was supposed to be one of Raider's potential victims, and he had stalked her for ages. Uh, he was around her home. He was checking her whereabouts and her routine, following her to and from work, to the Piggly Wiggly, what's crack with Anna, what's she doing? And eventually he broke into her home one night to wait for her. And he waited in her house until 10 p.m. and she still wasn't home. And he was like, I got to I gotta go home and, uh, you know, catch uh, Jay Leno or whatever. And he was pretty pissed off. He had spent all this time working on it, getting it together, trying to find out, you know, where she's going, when she'd be home. He didn't know, however, that she was out for the night. She came home in the wee hours and uh, he had robbed a few bits because he was wanted to uh, take a few trinkets as, as kind of trophies or whatever. And then she went, um, shit's not right in here. So she went to the house phone and found out that the line had been cut by BTK. So she rushed over to a neighbor, uh, called the cops and the cops came and they found a noose made from wire in her bedroom next to the bed. And this tied in with a threat that the BTK had sent in one of his famous letters saying he was going to hang the next victim. So Anna was like, shit, it could have been me. She never stayed in that house again. Uh, but a few months later, they received a package to the house which contained her own underwear uh, and then a small note about how he was going to kill her. So she's <laughs> like, yeah, I was going to kill you this way and this way and you got away with it, bitch. And that's not the, uh, that's not the first woman that had to leave her home as a result of a meter. Yeah. yeah he stalked them. Um, wasn't there another lady that he stalked? Um, oh yeah. He was telling her, get rid of your boyfriend. There was a woman, yeah. there was a woman that he singled out that he latched onto. Oh, this is when he was a compliance officer in the town and he was telling her get rid of that boyfriend get rid of that boyfriend and um she she moved out of her house as well as a result of a fella like that like golden state killer was stalking dozens of people at the time but only had a certain amount of victims yeah so like i'm sure btk was stalking dozens and just waiting for the right moment to strike so yeah because he was a fan of the stalking walking around the place um it's amazing though that, that anna got away just from being late she was out actually line dancing uh, and line dancing saved her life. Um, We're good. Yeah, I think it's probably the only thing that, that, good, line, that line dancing, dancing ever has did. ever done. We we got afflicted with line dancing here in the, uh, the 90s, the mid-90s definitely the 90s, yeah. And, uh, you know, the country's never been the same. I mean, the Magdalene Laundries closed down very quickly afterwards, if that's any yeah any kind of a I think the, li- the line dancing was just before the boom when the line snorting began. Yeah, and yeah. That was it. We were line dancing before we were We, sh- we swapped snorting. the line for the tiger. Yeah. That's what happened. Yeah, then everyone could afford a bit of it. <laughs> we were all on coke and we realised, yeah. oh man, this is not cool. We just gotta go. Gotta go. Uh, but getting back into what BTK was was up to, his, his modus operandi was very strange. He was a fucking odd cunt and he basically had this I guess, Blue Peter style make and do type carry on with, with some of his victims and himself even. Um, he was a man for the dramatic. And then uh, some of these images that you find online when you look them up are fucked up. His lifestyle, the murders he perpetrated, like all this stuff is the height of strange. So he'd draw on these journals. He'd draw these uh, pictures of women in bondage, bound and gagged. He'd draw like little, you know, open vaginas with the with his pencil and they were gagged and had their hands tied behind their back and he'd go into detail like drawn in their buttholes and everything and you're like what the fuck is this lad doing in jail like drawing pictures of older like victims that he used to have obviously these are his masturbatory fantasies uh, and he'd also send clues and letters to the press as the murders went on and to the police which included uh strength like imagine receiving this a barbie doll on a string attached to a pipe with a small note saying that this was to represent the death of uh, 11-year-old Josephine Otero. 
Imagine that. Yeah. Imagine getting that in the post. You're like, you fucking sick cunt. Uh, and then there was another doll with a plastic bag over its head to represent it the way that Nancy Fox died from asphyxiation. Like, this lad is looking for attention. He's looking to make a story to go, like, what's the most salacious, crazy, attention-seeking thing I can do? Yeah. Let's send a doll attached to a pipe to fucking, you know, I guess, take advantage or glorify the death of an 11-year-old girl. Like, that's fucking sick shit, right? So, uh, he had 11 letters, which are coming up. Uh, they were cold. They taunted the police. And in the US, like, no police force or FBI or anyone had come across anything like this in Zodiac. And they were really concerned. They were like, is this shit going to get worse? He'd also draw pictures from memory of his victims or PJs, projects, he called them. PJs for short. And they were found in his journals and on pages that were found in his prison cell. Uh, and he also, strangely enough, like this is kind of how he got caught. He made a fake bomb from a cereal box and put it in the back of somebody's truck. And wrote bomb on the front of a cornflakes box. Yeah, I heard his um, his comedy skills weren't the best. No, his his no. idea of a joke was, "Hey, look, I left cereal." Yeah, because I'm a killer. serial killer. Like, that's fucking yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. Mo- probably the most disturbing thing that that he 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 used to do. He used to arrange, frame, and take photos of himself and others in in bondage. Uh, in various states of distress and often in women's clothing with a, a mask of a woman's face. And there's a picture online of a dude in court holding up this picture of this like beautiful woman's face on a mask with lipstick and all that stuff. And he used to wear that when he was doing some of his stuff, his crimes. Like, can you imagine that? Yeah, that's pretty crazy. fucking mental. At one point, he bound himself up in some kind of weird like uh, I guess some, uh, like a wank gone wrong, let's say. He bound himself up on a scout camp in a ca- in a caravan uh, and he nearly got caught because he couldn't get himself out of it. He'd done these, like, you know, these, you set up the rope and you put it and you put your hands in it and you tie yourself around and then you just let it go, like, or choke wanking or doing whatever you do. And he, he ended up tying himself up and he couldn't get out. He eventually managed to winkle free. And uh, didn't get caught. But he said in testimony later on, he's like, that was the time. It could have been all over at this point. So this cunt is a scout leader. So your theory of him possibly being a pedo and like taking advantage of people or, or, you know, stalking, bondage, like voyeuristic stuff. Maybe he was at that shit Mm. on scout camp, you know. But (laughs) he, he used to wrap himself in plastic, fully in plastic, put plastic all over him. And bury himself in the ground, bury himself in sand, get into like swampy, swampy grounds, take pictures of himself. He also got one of his victims, tied her up, bound her legs, uh, covered her in plastic, covered her in tape, uh, gagged her, bound her, put a black uh, plastic bag over her head, hung her from her waist, like tied back like this uh, from a tree, lift her up instead of hanging her by the neck, hung her by the waist and let her asphyxiate in the bag while all tied up which he, victim which victim was that uh, Valerie or we, we get to her further do we or uh, no no it was one of the ones oh Shirley Vianne and there's an, there's another one that he that he uh, bound and took pictures of as well oh yeah but he was very um, I mean he took a lot of risks I mean uh, the the lady that he um, he put after he killed her he put her in the car and took her to the Lutheran church yeah and um, did a whole bunch of stuff there taking photographs and but I mean that's taking some major that's taking a lot of risk isn't it yeah but it's also getting your trophies man he was about taking the trinkets and bringing them home and obviously 
you know, you're robbing a pair of earrings out of a woman's house that you choked and, and killed. Like when you had those earrings, you're like, oh yeah. And he'd be able to maybe rekindle. If he's not looking at porn, because porn is not getting him off, he's not looking at dirty pictures in Razzle. Yeah. He's he needs to be able to like go back into the wank bank of like tying this of girl his own up and walk. choke. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he, he uses those items to help him get back there, I guess, obviously. But like he would dig up graves and bury himself in the grave and then take pictures of himself somehow. And then he'd do that of his victims as well. Like we talked about it in a second, but at one point he took pictures of a woman that, that got away. We talk about her now. He thought she was dead. He didn't strangle her enough. Thought she was dead and took pictures of her dead body. And sent him to the police. And the police didn't even take pictures. So, like, they were like, how the fuck did he get... Who got pictures of this shit? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, he was mad for taking the pictures to bring home as trophies. And then he ended up sending them to the press and going, look what I got. Like, that's... That's fucked up. So, in October 74, he placed a letter in a book in a local public library where he claimed responsibility for the murders of the Otero family. And the letter eventually ended up with a local newspaper after a phone call to them to say... From an anonymous person to say, hey, go to the library, look in such and such a book. The letter was found and the details of the murders proved that it only could have been the murderer because he's like, you know, Joseph is in the northwest part of the basement and blah, blah, all this kind of shit. Uh, in the letter, he goes, I write this letter to you for the sake of the taxpayer as well as your time. Those three dudes you have in custody are just talking to get publicity for the Otero murders. They know nothing at all. I did it by myself and with no one's help. There has been no talk either. Let's put this straight. So he's like three lads that they had as as possible, you know, uh, uh, perpetrators of this crime. Because it, it was a crime that looked like it could only have been done by multiple people. BTK is like, no, wasn't them. And I did it on my own. So I don't want anyone else getting my credit. Like he was all about the credit. You know? Oh, yeah. He's pissing in circles with these guys. Like he, <laughs> yeah. he's very territorial over, yeah. his, over his handiwork. Absolutely. Yeah. So sending a letter out, putting it in the back of a thing. Like it's all this covert stuff to cause intrigue and mystery so you can see him like laying down that foundation where he's like yeah I'm a, I'm a mysterious guy those three guys you have nah I did it on my own but in the letter told like the gory details of the murder that the three guys couldn't come up with and he said exactly the methods with which he killed the Otero family they're like oh this is definitely this guy um, in, in uh, another letter that he sent there's this uh, transcription maybe Gary you want to you want to give it a go. He says, um, um, I'm sorry this happened to, should I say happened to society? I'm sorry this happened. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. When we read this now, this will show, this is an exact transcription with all the spelling mistakes and grammatical errors. This will show, not Gary's inability to read it, but BTK's inability to oh, right. write so, stuff yeah, properly. Yeah. Okay. So. so read it as it is, because it's um, an example of his maybe illiteracy. I'm sorry this happened to society. <laughs> I don't think we have to go that far. They are the ones. Who, off, oh, no. um, I'm sorry this happened to society. They are the ones who suffer the most. It's hard to control myself. You probably call me psychotic with sexual perversion hang up. Okay. First of all, he says it's hard to control myself, but he's well able to get words like psychotic and sexual perversion out. So what yeah. the fuck is he that sounds about? like Kevin like, from The Office. Like, why use many word when one word will do? <laughs> Save lots of time. So you probably call me psychotic with sexual perversion hang up. When this monster enter my brain, I will never know. But it here to stay. 
How does one cure himself? If you ask for help that you have killed four people, they will laugh or hit the panic button and call the cops. I can't stop it. So the monster goes on and hurt me as well as society. Society can be thankful that there are ways for people like me to relieve myself at time by daydreams of some victims being torture and being mine. It is big complicated game. My friend of the monster play putting victims number down follow them checking up on them waiting in the dark waiting waiting the pressure is great and sometimes he run the game to his liking maybe you can stop him i can't he has already chosen his next victim or victims i don't who they are yet the next day is after i read the paper i will know but it too late good luck hunting yours truly guiltily yeah. Yeah. And then he put a PS because it wasn't signed by anyone. Yeah. He put a PS. Since sex criminals do not charge their change their MO or by nature cannot do so, I will not change mine. The code words for me will be bind them, torture them. Yeah, you spell torture wrong. <laughs> kill them. BTK. You see he at it again. They will be on the next victim. So yeah, that was his thing. Yeah, but I, 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 um, I thought this about him earlier when I was watching some program about him, and he's talking about uh, <clears throat> it's it's the demon inside. It takes me over. Hey, this is hurting me just as much as it's hurting the victims. But like that's bullshit because he could kill himself. Yeah. Like there's always the kill yourself option. If you know like, oh my God, I can't believe I have this thing inside me that makes me do these things and I really feel bad for the next victim, whoever they are, whoever the demon hasn't chosen yet, you could fucking kill yourself. Like, That's the same for a pedophile or a serial rapist where they're like, oh, them kids shouldn't have been so sexy. Like it's always like blame somebody else. You never blame yourself. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And that's the narcissist part. That's the psychopath part of it where they can't imagine like, that their feelings would be m- less important than the feelings of their yeah. victim. They're just like, oh, yeah, well, stop me doing it then because otherwise I'm not going to stop. Yeah, because that whole angle there of like, oh, I'm actually I'm actually a really great person. Yeah, but yeah. I have this demon inside me. But if you get to the stage where you know you've got three or four or five bodies in your wake, then and you, you know it's only a matter of time before there's a sixth, you do have the option to just fucking kill yourself. Yeah, or stop killing or give yourself up to the police and yeah yeah that's right he could he could do that too just go yeah. in and go commit me i can't i can't do it on my own you know it's mad though because like from the letters the authorities thought he was special needs because of the the you know the way the, <laughs> the stuff written like mm, me me kill bodies me me no me no like get caught yeah you know uh 30 kansas doctors used this letter then to compile this uh, personality profile of btk concluding that he was a very sick man who had fetish for bondage uh, and his reaction sexually is to be bound or to bind other people. And the authorities were like, this lad is really, this, he might be borderline like special needs, you know? And after the murder of Nancy Fox, he rang the police himself and he said, you would find a homicide at 843, said Pershing Nancy Fox and hung up. And they thought the way he pronounced homicide instead of homicide, he pronounced a homicide. They, they thought it incorrectly gave a, a clue to his identity, but it turns out he just didn't know how to say it. It's like, you know, when people say would of instead of would have, mm. and they write down on Facebook, I'm like, it's fucking would have. 
but it sounds like would have because you say oh yeah i would have done that and people think it's would have and you never think to check so he's like ham aside i would have made that mistake plenty of oh times. yeah absolutely like, yeah. i would have done that too so there's an awful amount of reporting like in these true crime things as we said at the start of him being a dum-dum i i don't think he was a dum-dum i just think he was played like that because the police were feeling kind of shit that they couldn't catch him for so long. Yeah. Do you know? Maybe he was maybe he was playing up his dumb dumminess. Like later on when he got caught, he's like, yeah, I can't really read properly or whatever. But like, who knows, you know? Tell them all about it, those conspiracy guys. Uh, in 2004, though, he was smart enough to do this. In 2004, a guy called Robert Beatty, who's a Wichita-based lawyer, uh, who also, incidentally, interviewed Charlie Manson, and it was well on with the true crime carry-on. He wanted to write a book on BTK, knowing how you could cash in on that shit. And it was going to be called Nightmare in Wichita. It was, like, the way, the way this book was kind of intimated in with the media, uh, it went on to reinvigorate the interest in these long-term unsolved crimes in this town. And Dennis Rader was like, I don't want this to happen. And in 2004, the Wichita Eagle received a package from a guy called Bill Thomas Kilman. It's a coded message there, Gary. Can you see it? Yeah, I can see that there. Bill Thomas Kilman. Uh, and I had a copy of the driver's license of Vicky Wagerly. And I had some crime scene photos. This is what I was saying earlier on. Vicky Wagerly had survived her, her ordeal with BTK. And her driver's license was missing. And BTK had taken... A picture of her taking her driver's license and made a copy of it and sent it to the police along with crime scene photos but they hadn't taken any pictures of the crime scene because there wasn't a crime scene they arrived at the thing and vicky wagerly was still breathing so they rushed her off in an ambulance and unless there's like a murder you don't take pictures of all the stuff so they didn't take any so they're like well who took these fucking pictures because this one is lying there as we found her must have been the murderer the actual murderer so it's like shit btk is back and he sent that stuff in and he was like don't be uh, don't be writing a fucking book if you don't know what you're talking about, Robert Beatty. And this led to a spate of clues then being sent to the media, including security tags from TV station employees and letters and info only the killer from all these years ago would have known. So he's sending in this stuff like that's like 30 years old that he kept these trinkets and all going, you don't know, you, you know, you don't know BTK, you don't know me. And uh, he left clues to his profile and he started to get more and more kind of prolific in this 2004 um, info dump. He started leaving stuff about his birth date, about the movements of his family in his early life, saying, like, catch me, like, use your, de- use your detective work to catch me. I'm giving you all the fucking information that you don't have. Maybe he was jealous of the publicity that the Green River Killer was getting at the time. It was very big in 2004 and five. Uh, or he didn't want to be usurped by this 2004 book by your man Beatty. Uh, but he basically just came out in public and went like, this is who I am. Come and find me. He left all the clues, all the breadcrumbs. That was it. There wasn't enough attention coming yeah, his way. It wasn't happening. So he wanted to be up there with the greats like Dahmer and Bundy and Berkowitz, uh, son of Sam. And like you've been saying all along, Gary, he said, I have this Factor X. Factor X, yeah. Yeah. It was later turned into... To X Factor, the yeah. show where there's a lot of psychopathy on display. And I think if... BTK hadn't have been apprehended in 2005, that Simon Cowell would definitely fit into that, uh, that uh, psychological mould that people would be like... I thought, mm. you, were, I thought you were going to say he would have won it. <laughs> if he hadn't been nicked, he yeah. would have won it. You imagine? And the crimes continue. He's doing some kind of David Blaine kind of rope tricks. So you tie somebody up and it's all like, magic. So what's the trick? Oh yeah, no, she's not breathing anymore. 
that's ta-da yeah they think it's gone wrong and he's yeah, like no yeah. it has worked out perfectly this, this yeah exactly that's the trick it. yeah um, and an audience too imagine but yeah it's uh, it's Factor X is a thing like we said we talked about for ages the evil lives inside you like it's a great excuse and it works really well on the front of Time magazine and it's a lovely story people get to tell each other where it's like oh yeah we're not really responsible for our actions you know uh, society hasn't prov- hasn't provoke these killers into action it's just like oh evil exists there's nothing we can do about it okay back to work mm. do you know i think factor x is a cop-out i don't know i mean my my comment on the existence of evil is kind of just from everything in the world i mean not just the old serial killer scene but you know like great atrocities yeah. of human history and political through big yeah business. no i know that there's always an agenda there like yeah. i mean people you know people always reference oh well what about the nazis and the holocaust and that and yet they had their agenda there but then when they you look at business and control when you when you look at the whole picture like you know or rwanda what happened in rwanda and yeah that, like you know that there takes it and you know i i i think the the people responsible for some of the evil i think they're they, they're aware of it themselves and that's why they use the dehumanizing language like they like you know like the jews are always compared to rats and to animals yeah. and the same with the um oh god forgive me i always get this confused who the 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 tutsis the hutus slaughtered the tutsis i'm right on yeah. that I'm, yeah i always get this confused but the tutsis were always um that the, the hutus had um a lot of uh, words for the Tutsis that was all cockroaches yeah. and you know it was always so I think that they're aware of it because they have to dehumanize them yeah. to do the things that they do same with, same with black people in America like they were you know, given these words and given these terms that took away from their humanity to make it easier to do shitty things to them yeah, yeah. and that's why BTK used to call his murder victims his PJs his projects yeah his projects his yeah. work rather than my victims yeah. Because he doesn't want to have that victim thing, you know? And his hit kit, he referred to his bag, his yeah. special bag as the hit kit. So yeah. that this guy... And they found the hit kit at one of the crime scenes and they were like, this is fucked up, man. Do you think there was a Do you think there was a thing in his head where he maybe he thought he was some kind of hit man? He was like, you know, with that... with, with the James with, Bond character. Yeah, with like, the kind of chic that comes with being yeah. a hit man, but really he was just preying on, on women and children and well women I, I could think I could think like the way he's doing that stuff you know turning up at the at the crime scene doing the thing doing what he's doing have a wank at the end of just being like I'm out like it does seem like some kind of weird sexy fantasy yeah and to be honest I've seen some shit online read some shit like where you you know you go onto Craigslist or you go onto some weird like meetup site some sexy site and you're like uh yeah i want to have like a rape fantasy so i'm going to meet you and you'll turn up at the house and you're wearing a balaclava and you have a knife and you'll come into the back door and i'll be lying on the bed and you have to be all like uh force yourself on me and no matter what i say like keep on going and you know there is women who are searching that kind of stuff they're looking for those kind of people to involve themselves in sexual fantasies like that yeah i mean Anything, there's anything out there to be found. If you can find one other person to do it with you, go go ahead, do it. You're off. But like, they obviously have to want to or to volunteer. But um, you know, BTK's thing was Factor X. He's like, this is a thing that just exists inside me. We talked about it before the show, Gary. Like with social media, I've sorted this lad out. Do you know? Would, would he be able to reach out and go? This is me. Here's my uniqueness. Every, well everything about his language like even the even his use of the word trolling when he's saying like what the act that comes before the stalking is the trolling he's yeah. trolling the streets and then just his seemingly i don't know his in, insatiable 
appetite for attention, attention from the media. Throwing them out there the whole time. These yeah, I mean, I think if this guy had had Facebook, it could have saved some lives. Like, or, <laughs> yeah. You hear that, Zuckerberg? Mm. Well, in, in these letters that he was sending, like, especially when he talks about Factor X, he claims that if the authorities had paid attention when he was a child, they could have prevented all of this stuff. And it's, again, passing the blame on to other people. You have to catch me doing it. If you don't catch me, I'm going to keep doing it. Yeah. Do you know what's that psychopathy there? That, 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 uh, abdication of blame, narcissism, you know, projection. So during his court case, when he was caught, uh, he, he, you know, they would talk about this book being written and uh, even maybe a production for movies or TV was on the cards and and BTK, like Dennis fucking loved this shit, man. He reveled in it and he wanted to donate the proceeds from whatever book or TV show or movie, whatever book he was going to get the money for. Obviously, like, you know, Bundy sold his rights and Gacy sold his rights and they got a few bob and they were able to invest it and stuff put it into stuff uh, BTK thought he was going to get the same stuff he thought like yeah I'm going to sell mm. my sell the rights to my book someone's going to do a biography I get a load of money and he goes and you know what I'm going to do I'm going to d- donate it to the victims of the families like this lad knew his fucking social media strategy down did you know what his daughter said about all of that sort of stuff uh, She that his, uh, BTK's daughter spoke up um, yeah. On a, yeah, on a similar thing. Let me see just for a second, just really quickly. Yeah, Kerry Rawson, and this is from the Wichita Eagles. Uh, this was, um, well, the article is September 2014. But in 2005, Stephen King cited um, the oh, yeah. BTK killer as the inspiration for um, a short story of his called A Good Marriage, which is about a woman who finds out that her husband has been a serial killer for many years. Now, they were going to make a movie of it, and... I think they still are. Are they? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, Kerry Rawson spoke up, who is um, now 36, and she is BTK's daughter, and she said she, she was critical of Stephen King, saying... You know, he's not worth all of the books, the news stories and the attention. And she said, quote, great. Now, Stephen King is giving my father a bit of a, a big head. Um, thanks for that. End quote. So she's like, you know, cheers, Stephen King. You're I mean, you're giving him you're giving him what he wants. Yeah. yeah. And now uh, this this actually Stephen King responded to it. And this kind of answered a question that I was asking myself. I mean, like I've spoke to you about what kind of tone were we going to use talking about such things, you know, these, these cases. I tried to stay away from ridiculing the victim. Yeah, I think, no, I think it's (laughs) been, yeah, yeah. I think it's been nicely done this evening. Like, you know, that it's just getting into the case Mm. and all of that. Like, cause I was asking myself that, you know, cause we've done the other, the hollow earth and you know, these other ones. There's no one falling by the wayside. There's no deaths because of it. Yeah. And, and, and I was, I was wondering like, you know, by me coming on and doing this thing on the, on the BTK killer, am I playing my part in, in, in contributing to the, but I am, to, to to quote what Stephen King replied to Miss Rawson's um um you know complaints was uh he just said look at I'm, I'm that's not what I'm trying to do I'm not trying to glorify anything and he said the drive to understand is the basis of art yeah so that's what Mr King said so on that if that is his justification then so shall it be mine it's good enough for, so yeah it's, it's the good drive, enough for yeah. the killer of John Lennon it's so good enough it's, for me it's the drive to understand <laughs> what was going on with this guy but like you said y- you believe there's something else there yeah. that he's holding back oh yeah 
that could be very beneficial in understanding why he was doing what he was doing. Yeah, and I mean, all through the, the, the whole time, these guys are, are trying to figure out, like, how is he doing what he's doing? Why is he doing what he's doing? Mm. And I think he's going to get his dream of being immortalized on the silver screen, or at least on the, 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 the smaller screen, yeah. with uh, the new series of Mindhunter is coming out on Netflix. If you haven't watched it, it's fucking aces, man. Go and check it out. Who's in that? Who, 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 do, who? I, I don't know if there's anybody famous in it. I can't think off the top of my head. But it's brilliant. It's about like the first lads in the FBI who started making these serial killer profiles. And they went into the likes of Ed Kemper and, and interviewed him. And he was like, oh, it was all about my mother. Uh, yeah, she, she, uh, she would humiliate me. So um, I chopped off her head and uh, I had sex with the hole in her neck. Um, and it was like a total perfect like faithful recreation of the actual interviews with Ed Kemper so these FBI guys went in and they got Bundy and they got Dahmer they got Gacy like there's yokes from, from the John Wayne Gacy episode that we did like in 1991 and 1992 they got hours of fucking stuff out of him to find mm. out what he was doing and he was obviously harboring some weird homosexual predilection that ended up f- f- finding itself like a violent release by killing loads of young men who he had enticed into homosexual activity and because the guilt couldn't let them go free so he fucking killed them and buried them in the crawl space. Mm. So there's like a fucking psychological motivation behind it and while while Gacy protested his bisexuality and he definitely wasn't gay, he was bisexual if anything, right up to his execution, people are like, yeah, but you're totally gay though, bro. Like you're just gay and you don't want to know it so then you kill people because of it. And it gave the gay community a really bad ride because like, in the early 90s, they were already dealing with HIV and AIDS. Yeah. They were already dealing with, like, being pariahs in society. And then Gacy comes out and he's all like, yeah, I'm a gay clown who, like, f- fucks young men and then kills them. And everyone's all like, I knew it. Them gays are dangerous. Like, it's just such a fucking weird motivation. So the guys in Mindhunter would go in and interview these lads. So in season one, they were trying to find, uh, who were they trying to find? can't remember the main murderer. There was a, there was a, a murderer that was a serial killer that was ongoing that they were trying to, to, to apprehend and they were going in and trying to talk to, uh, who else was it? Richard Speck. We did an episode on him recently, Richard Speck, who was a rough cunt, basically he used to kill and, and rape people. And, and he he was part of the Mindhunter crew. Ed Kemper, who we'll be doing an episode on in a little while. Like a few of these real ropey dudes. And now in the new season, BTK is going to get his turn. He's going to be featured in it as one of the, the main murderers of the time and people are like, I don't know what he's doing. They're obviously getting these letters and they're trying to uh, figure this stuff out. But like to understand this art and that's why true crime has, and true crime podcasts have become such a, a massive successful endeavor. Yeah. Same as conspiracy theories. Conspiracy theories are fucking the new rock and roll. I've been saying that shit since 2014, man. Yeah. In the good days, in the good times when Obama was still cool. Yeah, I miss the days when it I miss it. I miss when it was when it was okay to like Alex Jones. <laughs> like I forced... Don't say that, man. We get kicked off of iTunes. Yeah, I, no, I missed it. I missed the days when it was okay because when I first discovered him, it was just the John Ronson. 2001, Ronson's. I think. Yeah, it was a, I yeah. was sitting in my flat. I was about 19 years of age. A John Ronson documentary, uh, The Secret Rulers of the World. Yeah. And that was my first introduction to even the idea of an Illuminati, the people yeah. behind the curtains. And I just got really... And then there was this Alex Jones. They did. He followed Alex Jones around and he was just and like... he was this, this gruff back then. Yeah, he was just like this Bill Hicks type character running yeah. around looking for, you know, these fucked up people. Like, Going to Bohemian Grove yeah, and conspir- talking about the police. Conspiracy and- theories were much better before they went mainstream. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone 
like everything. Conspiracy hipsters. Like there. everything. Yeah, <laughs> mad. But um, moving on, it's the, it was almost the 30th anniversary of the first death by BTK. And from DNA evidence, Dennis Rader, to relative submissions of DNA after an investigation. We tell you why the investigation started in a second. But it was declared to the public that Dennis Rader was the BTK killer. And his home and computer were seized and searched. And a major clue leading to his capture was this floppy disk that he had sent to authorities. Have you heard about this floppy disk? I have what heard about the floppy disk. Man. He may as well have just fucking wrote on it like, yeah. here I am. Here's like, my address. Yeah, yeah. What a dope. From this huge landslide of potentially incarcerating evidence, BTK was sent it to the authorities. One item stood out and was his eventual downfall. It was a, a mere floppy disk, 1.44 megabytes of guilt uh, with a little weird sliding silver door. After a serial box that we mentioned earlier on uh, was dumped in the back of a truck, serial killer, uh, it was written bomb on the front of it. They found this, like there was this guy found it in the back of his truck. He's like, I'm going to fuck this in the bin. And he just got it, fucked it in the bin and they went to look into it afterwards and were like, what was in that now? And there was a letter and a, a note and a couple of other little bits and pieces. He asked in the note, would it be secure for a murderer or a serial killer to communicate with the authorities using floppy disks? And he said, if the answer is yes, knock twice on the pipes. No, if the answer is yes, I want you to put it in the paper in big writing. Rex, it will be okay. And that's the code and I know and I'll send you some stuff. Two weeks later, after they put it in the paper, this floppy disk arrives uh, on the 16th of February, 2005 at KSAS TV in Wichita, Kansas. They got this disk and it was like some, re- they put in the computer as a real basic info, like uh, this is a test folder. And then there was a file, a simple text file that had uh, like read me or whatever on it. And what they did was, do you know how they cracked the code to find out who Dennis Rader was? They went into the text file and they hit right click and then they hit properties. And then they just went and looked in at who the author was on the file from what computer it was written. And it just had Dennis Rader written on it. And they went, oh yeah, that's that lad. And then they got the DNA from all the spunk that he wanked over all of his victims. And they got that DNA profile. And then they went to one of his family members and they said, can you just wipe that inside your cheek, match the two, thanks very much, knocked on his door, and they lifted him. And that was BTK, caught lamped by a fucking floppy disk. And he says to this day, he's like, if I only had it understood what the floppy disk was, because he wanted to give them more stuff, give them big screeds of stuff, instead of sending like handwritten letters. Because I mean, it was 2005, like he, he really wanted to, yeah, he wanted to up his game, he wanted to get it, like he, he didn't have a MySpace, he didn't have a Bebo, he couldn't just talk. Could have had a Bebo page. He, he couldn't just taunt them through the egg on Twitter, like. And <laughs> yeah, that's it, man. Yeah. Just just trolling, like, at FBI trolling, or yeah. whatever. Yeah, so he didn't know how to start a MySpace or a, or a Bebo, so he, he sent it through floppy disks, which in 2006, I think, were already very obsolete. Yeah. Like, you're at least burning them to a CDR, Dennis. Come on, man. That's how you used to get your, your Napster songs. But yeah, it just, it just seemed like such a, you know, a... a a deflated end to a fairly illustrious 30 year long unfettered murder career yeah like but when i like a dickhead but when i saw that though when i when i saw that the uh the the floppy disk thing now the 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 documentary that i had watched said they didn't go in as far as what you had said there about right yeah. clicking and his name was in there they just said they traced it back to the church to the church computer 
in the Lutheran church mm. and he was like the main kind of he was the president of the Lutheran yeah, church yeah. at this point yeah. so I, that, that, that was how they closed in yeah. on him but you but say had, his name his name was actually in there was it yeah but you see that makes me think he wanted to come in and on your word file whoever the word the copy of word on your computer is registered to you can go into the metadata in the files and find out who it's from and shit like but that makes that, that makes me think he he wanted to come in I he figured yeah. he figured it's time to come in now so and fucking get my, get my kudos get my netflix tv show made yeah i want to get find out if courtwood smith is going to play me in the movie <laughs> i wouldn't doubt it i don't yeah. know if he's playing them in mindhunter but keep an eye out for that because it's going to be a cracker so there is one little thing before we finish up the fact that the authorities think that BTK was in fact Zodiac, this unsolved murder. And you would do if you were a law enforcement agency who had egg on their face from not being able to solve a crime since the 60s. I mean, they were embarrassed enough with BTK that they managed to portray him as some kind of a half-witted retard. But Zodiac, who will do a a show on in in the very near future, uh, murdered at least 20 people in Northern uh, California between December 1968 and October 1969 and uh, remains one of the world's greatest unsolved true crime cases. But some say that Zodiac could be BTK, and the confession of Dennis Rader, along with his handwritten letters, may prove it to be true. They're matching up handwriting, they're matching up codes. I saw some of the fucking side-by-sides, I'm like, nah. Grassman straws, man, you're just going like, anything to solve Zodiac. Like, no one's solving that shit. That's it. Zodiac would leave these ciphers, and, and not many of them were properly decoded, but BTK's letters... Uh, kind of disappeared in the 80s and resurfaced again in 2004 and the Zodiac killings were near Air Force bases and BTK was in the Air Force and he was moved around a lot so it could be that uh, what because he was in the from 66 to 70 which is the time of the murders he was in the Air Force being moved around the whole time so it could totally be him like right. time wise but the handwriting that was analysed in these uh, letters seems to link these two killers styles of murder as well as writing I, I i don't see it now well i mean i'm not a handwriting expert the fact that they also use though lutheran biblical prose terms to link these two two uh uh styles of writing together that we use in words you know that were found in um say lutheran biblical verse like these bigger words that somebody who has like a learning difficulty would know how to say and write them phonetically, but may not know how to spell them properly, like these kind of things. Hmm. And um, they both mention that their victims are projects and both say the act of murder is hunting. So that the, the attitudes of Zodiac and BTK in these mysterious letters are definitely aligned. Yeah. Now, I think that this is a thing that was going on all through the 70s and all through the 80s when they didn't know who Dennis Rader was up until 2004 or five, And... They were going like, okay, BTK is unsolved for like 40 years. So Zodiac, maybe they're the same guy. And most recently, the Golden State Killer, who was the original Night Stalker and who was the East Area Rapist, they thought there were two different fucking murderers altogether Mm. until Michelle McNamara linked the two of them and went, oh, yeah, that's actually the same guy. And he just moved around. So they're trying to say like Zodiac is BTK. Now, do you think if BTK was actually Zodiac that he wouldn't claim those? I was going, that was the, you took the words out of my mouth. I was going to say that his, his, his narcissism and his need for, for attention. And that tells me that he would have just fessed to everything. Say, oh yeah, like I'm across the board. I, in fact, I maintained two wonderful serial killer personalities. I had just running around in circles all, all over the place. It seems like a, a, a 
kudos that he wouldn't want to leave behind. Eh? I think any any man who out of his own mouth will admit to masturbating over the corpse of an 11 year old is prepared to go all the way and confess all of the other shit that he did. Like yeah, if you're, if you're gonna, not, maybe not tell about Uncle Tommy fingering him up the arse though. Yeah, but that, that that that's 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 more pertaining to himself, though, isn't it? Like, and as you yeah. said, he he doesn't want to weaken himself. He wants to be the powerful, the, the master. And if he knew, if he knew the details about the Zodiac crimes, he would admit to them. Because then they go, okay, well, tell us about the stuff. And if he didn't get it all right, to be like, ah, you're bullshitting. Yeah. So I mean, could it be a deathbed confession? Quite possibly. Let's see. You know, he's not dead yet. He's seventy three years of age, as far as I know. Like, he's not brown bread yet. He does have a touch of bowel cancer that comes and goes. Colon cancer or bowel cancer comes and goes. Like, maybe a, a deathbed confession could confirm it all. But Zodiac, I think, will never be caught. And we'll be talking about him uh, with somebody else in a show uh, very soon. So, to finish up then with BTK, we're just going to ask uh, Gary to get off the fence on a couple of things and see if he can, you know, box off your attitudes towards one of the most mysterious killers of, of all time. Okay. Um, Raider, as a young man... Do you think that he was doing murders before he was saying he was doing murders? Do you think when he was out with prostitutes in Korea and Greece and all that stuff, they claimed that he could be doing murders out that way? Do you think he had got that far or do you think that... I don't know. I don't uh, think... think Otero family were his first goal. I think the Oterios, because as we said just a few moments ago, I think he fess. I think he would confess. I think he would... Oh, yeah. I think he would say, oh, yeah, I was over in... I was in Vietnam and I did this and I did that. And then when I got back to the States, I established myself here. I think he would have fessed to everything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, then for all of the victims, do you think they're the only ones that he did? Because we're all in the Wichita area pretty much bar one. And it seemed to be terrorizing his local area. Do you think as an Air Force man that he may have done others that he wouldn't? I don't. I, I honestly don't Still. think so. I Yeah. On the principle of admitting to what he did with Josephine Otario is like, because of, okay, everything that he did was horrible. Yeah. yeah but. but what he did to the kids in particular, because, you know, nothing's yeah. worse than the suffering, suffering of kids and that. So I think for him to fess up to that, I think, uh, you know, where, why, why would you not fess up to anything else then? Yeah, where's the disconnect? Yeah. yeah. Um, so for all the murders then, where do you think he's getting that bondage thing from? Was he touched as a child? Is there like a sexual predilection like with Chikatilo? Do you think there's something secret behind it? Or would he not tell? Is he trying to avoid being a victim or what's going on? I'd say that was just his thing. I'd say I, I'd say if his if if his if his wife had been into it, he'd have been doing bondage. Maybe he did do bondage with his wife, I don't know. But I mean he wasn't penetrating any of his victims. So you know the way I you know, some some killers they're into the killing and the sex crimes and they yeah. just go ahead and commit full rape and all the rest. Yeah. I think bondage was just his little, that was his little thing. And, and he just, he, but he, but he still had the, the factor X. He still wanted to kill. Yeah. So he just combined the two and off he went. Like I've seen those, those, um, do you ever see those, uh, like they're like a latex bag and it's like a shrink wrap. You know the way you get like shrink wrapped meat in the supermarket? Yeah. So like the woman would get into this like shrink wrap latex thing and you just use the hoover oh, to yeah. suck all the air out of it yeah and then they just leave a, a hole at the mouth and a hole at the fanny yeah. and the woman's completely like stuck to, the, to this like frame with latex and she can't move at all and lads are all like yeah I love that yeah that it's mad you know because when, 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 when I was a kid I got stuck inside a bin liner once and it was it was horrible was like, a, a Halloween costume creation gone wrong 
Um, no, I stuck in a bin liner on Halloween. I was trying to make it into a costume. No, yeah. I think it was just raining, and I didn't have a have a raincoat. And you know, like what it was like in the eighties, Ireland garden. You put you a bin liner on, on, yeah. yeah. But um, no, the bondage thing and and that has always kind of gone over my. And I know one or two people who are into the the uh, bond. Actually, I know I know a girl who um uh who was on the site that um remember your man Graham Dwyer? Oh yeah. Um. Oh, what's the name of that bloody site again? It's like the Facebook of bondage. Um. Oh, I'll think of it some other time. But um, no, I've had the whole thing explained to me by one or two people on that, like, and what 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 they get out of it, and the spanking, and the tying up, and the dom. Do you want to give it to us quick? Because I don't know. We're going to have a, a, a chat about this when I'm on the road. I'm going to talk about some. Like, I'm not into it. I'm good. What about what they're into? Like, yeah. Uh, like why Why would someone want to? Well, it depends on what you want to bond or be bound. Like, what's the buzz? Like, um, control, lack of control. Like, not just fun. I was just told it was fun. That was it. I was just told it was fun to get bound <laughs> up and spanked a little see, bit, you, you know, because you're who are like CEOs of super powerful companies and stuff. And they like go in and they want to be dominated by women and they want to be like, lick my shoe and crawl on the ground, bitch, and get on your hands and knees yeah. because they want to have the whole time they're just experiencing people like bowing down to them and doing everything you want and they have no time of being like a submissive and they say they miss that and they want that part of their personality so they go in and they play this game yeah and it ends up not not maybe involved in the sexual release but like it's just that feeling that they get to bring home to them that they've been humiliated for yeah. some reason or like, maybe it's just nice to be doing something that you know most other people are not doing yeah, you know, because it's such a niche, a niche thing that you go, oh yeah, well sure, you know, I'm yeah. doing, look at I'm doing the bondage. Like I said, if there's any bondage fans out there, we're talking BTK, hit a brother up, let me know uh, what's going on with the fucking tying up, the bonding, the the tape, the plastic, the linen, or no, the, the latex, the, the leather. I mean, I, I don't get it. I don't get it, but I mean, I'm not going to judge it, but I just don't get it. Um, So for BTK and the letters, obviously he's a narcissist. He's looking out for attention. Mm. why why that and not just complete the murders and say nothing and just keep doing them and getting away why is he doing them and then publicizing it and then looking for you know putting up facebook things going like fuck everything and then people would be like you okay hon like these kind of vague he was vague booking before vague book was invented so do you mean why why would he send letters to the media and the police why going, didn't he just carry like, on and yeah, kill and kill and it. kill and kill and kill what was the great thing about it was it the actual killing or was it knowing the people were looking for him or maybe the, maybe 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 that was always the plan was just to to kill to draw attention maybe that was always the plan yeah yeah maybe the killing wasn't fa- like facilitating some kind of need that he had inside to kill maybe killing was just the only way he could figure it out to facilitate getting attention and that's why he maybe left a couple of the victims alive because he felt satisfied with just choking them out until they went unconscious he didn't actually have to finish them off it was just the choking bit that was like oh yeah I like that yeah do you think that people who partake in um, bdsm have that streak that could turn into murder at some point that they're like I only get off on choking people or I only nah, get off on being choked. Nah, I don't want to say that. I, 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 I got much love for all my brothers and sisters out there in the BDSM scene. Like, I don't want to paint them with a bad brush. No, I think... Uh, they might like that. He's he, he's the kind of... Um, with a brush, weirdly. No, nah, he's he's just the kind of uh, wanker that give... BDSM heads BDSM a bad name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout uh, out to the BDSM community out there. You're gonna get a, you're gonna get a lot of uh, 
like butt plugs and leather whips and all sent to you now in the post as a thanks well <laughs> Patreon do it through Patreon yeah yeah yeah, yeah. don't fucking send them here anyway shit and then uh, do you think he meant to get last question do you think he meant to get caught with the floppy disk or was that a genuine mistake nah I think no I think he I think he wanted to get caught and he played a few close to home as well because some of the um, the victims that we that we mentioned earlier yeah. and that were neighbours they lived down the street yeah so he had no problem you know that's always the way shit on his own doorstep so yeah. Uh, oh yeah I, th- I, th- I think he did I think he wanted to come in I think that book The Nightmare in Wichita there was too many people um, getting the gravy trying to cash in on and, and maybe telling the story the way he didn't want he wanted to remain having control over his image yeah and he wanted casting he wanted to make sure that an actor different to but of the same quality as a Brian Dennehy would play him in the movie because you know Dennehy yeah. played uh, Gacy in the movie so he wanted, he wanted the Courtwood Smith he wanted to get in there he wanted and an iron side he wanted Courtwood Smith or who else did we say the guy who played Frank Sabatka <laughs> George Costanza with a goatee he has to be with a goatee yeah uh, he wouldn't have got or Michael Ironside I don't think he would have got Jack Nicholson though um, or Michael like, Ironside you never know Netflix are paying big bucks, man, for those things if you're going to make something. I don't know who's going to yeah. play the Mindhunter, but you definitely got to check that shit out, even for the first season. I'll check Give it out it tonight. Lash. When I go home tonight, I'll, I'll check it out. Whopper, yeah, yeah. It's a whopper. Um, so that's it for those conspiracy guys for this time. Uh, if anything we got wrong in the show or anything you want to correct us or anything you want to just congratulate us. You want to say, hey, you're fucking brilliant. Uh, hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit. All of the social medias, bitshoot.com slash those conspiracy guys is the place for all the docs and all the good shit. And uh, if you want to get some merch, hit up tpublic.com slash those conspiracy guys. You get some uh, individually designed t-shirts that I made myself from inside jokes within the show. And I've also curated about 350 or 400 other conspiracy themed uh, t-shirt designs. You can get them on t-shirts and hoodies and tote bags and pillows and all sorts of stuff. So if you want to head over to tpublic and get that stuff. And uh, all it leads me to do is say thanks very much, Gary Jones, for joining us. Talking about BTK, man. Thanks. Oh, well, Gordon, thanks very much for yeah, having me. Like, and I hope it works out for you, man. Thanks, and thanks man. for having us this evening. Yeah. Uh, where can people find you online? You've got your, you've got uh, your art. No, you've got I'm, your stuff. I'm, no, I'm on. So, I'm on social media. I I, 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 reactivated social media the other day just to post this little, uh, little student movie that I acted in. And you it was just, it was on. just, it was just to let people have a look at that. And then I'm going to deactivate again. No, I've got, I've got nothing going on at the moment. It's but real life or nothing for, for Gary Jones. Uh, that's it. I come in, I do this after that. <laughs> I, got, I, got, I got nothing but the change in my pocket. Well, look, if you can enjoy him here on those conspiracy guys, if you want to hear more from Gary, he's on the uh, Hollow Earth episode. He's on the Columbine episode with Stephen Elliott, which is probably one of my favorite shows I've ever done. And uh, on the Tupac and Biggie episode as well, that's having true. a crack. Uh, talking about old school times uh, that's it for this time on those conspiracy guys this has been about Dennis Rader the BTK killer like I said if anything we said in the show hit us up uh, info at thoseconspiracyguys.com for some corrections or, or you know congratulations anything you want and uh, I've been Gordo I've been Gary thank and, you and uh, thanks for watching and listening goodbye <laughs>